Oh, I wish I was the just bleed guy with pain upon my chest. The year's 2099. MMA was at its best. I came around too late. So I deal with all the rest. Oh, I wish I was the just bleed guy with pain upon my chest. When Dana White had all his hair and tap out shorts were everywhere when striking didn't matter and when jujitsu is king. Zufa didn't have control, and Reebok couldn't buy your soul, and Vanderlei was scary, and we didn't know everything. Oh, I wish I was a just bleed guy with pain upon my chest. Here, 2099, MMA was at its best. I came around too late, so I deal with all the rest. Oh, I wish I was a just bleed guy with pain upon my chest. USADA still remained a myth, and ignorance could still be bliss when cheating was caught trying, and they audited PEDs. Josh Barnett was youngest champ until John Jones changed all of that, and the only way to watch fights was if they were on Spike TV. Oh, I wish I was a just me guy with pain upon my chest. Year 2099, MMA was at its best. Came around too late. So I deal with all the rest. Oh, I wish I was a just be guy with pain upon my chest. When Pride of Sea was still on top and violence was all that we got. When Yakuza fixed fights and when Fatal reigned supreme. BJ Penn was winning fights, CM Punk was in wrestling tights, and now I miss them all because we're in a quarantine. Oh, I wish I was a just bleed guy with pain upon my chest. Year 2099, MMA was at its best. I came around too late, so I deal with all the rest. Oh, I wish I was a just bleed guy with pain upon my chest. I came around too late, so I deal with all the rest. Oh, I wish I was the just bleed guy with paint upon my chest. Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast, the podcast for the quarantined MMA fan hosted by a quarantined man. And I am that man. My name is Juice, and if it's your first time listening, shit's about to get real weird, so just get used to it. Before I start the show, let me give a recap, well, not really a recap, but a rundown of what we're going to talk about. Uh, First, I'm going to give my, how I would run an MMA promotion, and I'll get to that when we we start the show. Um, Then I'm going to cover some they're not really news. See, I, I've just I've I found that I, I need to re, uh, rename the news segment at least for today. So the next segment after that is going to be called the agenda segment, because uh, that's where I put shit to talk about when I have a fucking agenda, and that's what I have. Then, as always, we're going to dive into the forum, hear from uh, you lovely folks listening and the lovely people of Twitter, 
And then we are going to just quickly preview next episode. I've got something planned, but it is not uh, obviously a fight because there are no fights. And rightly so. We are living in a post-corona world. Or a current corona world. Anyway, our society right now is being shaped by how we are handling this uh, coronavirus situation. And initially I have been very disappointed with how uh, a lot of people have been handling it. Uh, but now everyone is starting to come around. And when I say disappointed, I'm not on the fucking Sam Alvey camp where he's disappointed in how everyone is panicking. We should have panicked long ago, bro. We should have panicked long ago. But that's that's another podcast that we won't even get into. This is not a medical podcast. This is not a political podcast. However, it is an MMA podcast. And I was thinking about uh, what I need to talk about or what I want to talk about. And I was having a, a chat with... Uh, my good friend on Twitter at BlurryDerp2. So shout out to him in a big way for inspiring this segment because I was thinking about something that has uh, come up. If you follow me, you may see me post about it, but otherwise you wouldn't um, have known about this. There's something um, that Laura Benanti is doing called Sunshine Songs. It's a hashtag, Sunshine Songs. And what that is is a lot of plays and uh certain things are getting canceled around well really the world but especially in the u.s where um where laura is and i am of course and she made a post about how, how a lot of her work is getting canceled as well like different tv movie projects she's working on because they require being around people and you can't be around people so she was like yeah um she just canceled right now um but um she said, if you are in a high school play that got canceled, musical specifically, she's like, I want to see you. I want to hear it. Post a song and use and tag me and use the hashtag Sunshine Songs. And it's become like a whole thing. Like a lot of people are doing it. A lot of other like uh, actors and theater people are getting into it. And I think it's really fucking awesome. And it's brought joy to my to my life in this sort of, you know, pandemic uh, atmosphere that we're in. So uh, if you ever want to see some fucking awesome people singing and sharing their like experiences, search the hashtag Sunshine Songs. But I was I was seeing a post from Louis Smolka, who is uh, a UFC fighter, if you didn't know, was a flyweight uh, and an alcoholic, got cut, got sober, moved up to 135, and has been looking amazing at 135. Uh, but uh, he's not fighting right now, obviously, because of the whole situation. And he made a post on Twitter that said something about, you know, we should be, you know, maybe some fighters want to stream some sparring sessions, you know, I'd be down, hit me up, you know, the hardcores will, will watch it. And, uh, maybe we can give them some programming, uh, when there is no fights on or something like that. And then, then you can grow a following that way. And I, I, it reminded me of the sunshine songs and I was like, dude, they should be doing fucking sunshine fights. And I posted about it. And Blurry Derp, who, by the way, is the fucking man, if you don't remember, he's a squirrel, um, recently got banned because of some fucking tweet reporting virgins, and uh, whoever the fuck reported him and, and got him off, he was going to leave, thankfully, he came back, Blurry Derp 2, uh, so that's his real account, I already verified it's him, you just trust me on this one, so uh, if, you, if you remember him, go give him a follow, unless you're one of those uh, tweet reporting virgins, and then don't follow him because we don't want you. 
We don't watch. We don't watch. Um, but what I posted about Sunshine Fights, Blurry Derp thought I was posting about like a new fight promotion. And I was like, dude, what do I always fucking talk about on the on this podcast? I talk about shit that the UFC does wrong. And sometimes they do things that they do right, to be fair. And just things that MMA promotions in general do wrong, in my opinion. So I had a thought, you know, if I were to... Not necessarily win the lottery because I might do other fucking more meaningful things with my money. But if I was approached by some investors that were like, hey, we want you to start this promotion. We want you to spearhead it. What are your ideas? Boom. These are my ideas. And uh, I want to hear from you guys too. Um, use the hashtag Sunshine Fights while we're at it. And um, and uh, let me know what, what you would want in your, your MMA promotion. Let's let's start talking about it on Twitter. I think it would be cool. Because um, while there are no fights, we got fantasies about fights, right? So the first thing I thought about was we will have all weight classes. And this, by the way, is, is, is for a regional MMA promotion. Uh, so some, some things about like, you know, things that you wouldn't do in a bigger promotion, like the UFC, the belt, Bellator one, um, one FC, one championship, um, don't necessarily apply, uh, because it's, it's not about, for me, like it's not about building, uh, like the hierarchy of a division or whatever. It's about just putting on exciting fights and giving, you know, regional talent a platform to shine on. Like, for example, women's 105. Aren't that many of them that are unsigned, but if there are even two that want to fight each other, I'll put on that fight. That's what I'm saying. And on that note, we would be doing more catchweight bouts because sometimes weight classes are just fucking arbitrary and it's unhealthy for certain people to be in that weight class. And there's a lot of tweeners. Like, uh, like my fucking, uh, you know, whole soapbox about 165, which by the way is in there, obviously. Um, but, uh, let's say, you know, there's a, there's a girl who's too big for, for strawweight, but not quite big enough for flyweight. Fight a 120. Let's have a 120 catchweight fight. And so that's, uh, something I would like to see. Um, the other thing that I would do as far as pay structure, it would be a flat rate with, Finishing bonuses. Now, I, I often harp on the show-win pay structure that a lot of MMA promotions do where they pay, let's say, you know, $20 just to show up and make weight. Did I say $20? $20,000, <laughs> just for round numbers. $20,000 to show, $20,000 to win. So basically, you're fighting for half your paycheck. And this is to, like, motivate them to, to put on a performance, put on a show. But in my opinion, it actually leads to more decisions. People are fighting to not lose rather than fight to win so i think get a flat raid they're not fucking show ponies they're not fucking like i don't know people that are meant to like i don't know fight for their fucking wages like they are athletes they are fucking entertainers they need to be paid the full amount so if you're gonna give them 40 and you're gonna have 20 show 20 win no just fucking give them forty thousand. that's it but with that incentive finishing bonuses because i think in my opinion, like the when you see does like the fight of the night, knockout of the night, things like that. When there's more than one candidate, I fucking hate that they just choose and be like, oh yeah, I like this. it becomes a popularity contest. So I want to give them all a finishing bonus. It doesn't have to be 50k, especially if this is a goddamn regional promotion. But you know what I mean? Like just fucking, hey, you finish your fight, you get your flat pay, and you get a finish bonus. Because that's how it fucking goes around here. And that way, it's not you know style points or there's not a popularity contest. Shit like that. I'll get a finished bonus. And in the interest of fair revenue share, 
all fighters will get a percentage of the ticket sales relevant to their placement on the card. Now, I was thinking about how to kind of structure this, and I was I was thinking like if you know there's a way to monitor attendance of like who shows up for the prelims, um, you know, like each one, and and sort of give a given an amount based on how many people actually show up for your fight. Not just like, okay, you're the first fight in the card, you make this amount, you make your second fight, you make this amount, just sort of based on how many you bring in. And this is not like a new thing necessarily. This actually, um, Eddie Alvarez talked about this in his uh, walk-in talk with Ariel that he did in his hometown of Kensington. Um, not specifically what I'm saying about structuring it by, you know, placement on the card and how many people you bring in, etc. But he said that he learned early on in his career that with certain promoters, it was about ticket sales and about putting butts in seats. So he was like, my job was to sell tickets, and I think he, he always cut a deal of the ticket sales for his fire. They would give him a certain number of tickets, and he would sell them to his friends and family or something like that. So um, I think that would be a great uh, way for original promotion to kind of put butts in seats that way and, and help the fighters get some of that revenue because they're the ones bringing the fucking – they're the ones putting bums in seats, as uh, Michael Morgan likes to say. Put bums on seats. Um, but, yeah, that, that would be my idea. And drug testing – See, this is my thing. Like, I, I talk about you saw all the time, and in my opinion, like, with the way it's structured and the penalties and things like that, they do more harm than good, but there are a lot of great things they do. I'm all for clean sport. I'm all for certain things, but the fucking, the list of what they ban is just so regarded ridiculous, and, and the fact that they do it, um, things at random is, uh, good. Like, drug testing, right? Like, when, when the drug testing is handled by the commission, uh, you know when it is, so you can kind of beat the test that way. Um, random drug testing is important, uh, but they shouldn't have to f- fill out their fucking whereabouts twenty four seven on this stupid app. Um, that was something that would be something I'd have to figure out. But um, random drug drug testing, but not the WADA slash USADA list of banned substances, would have my own list. I figured out. I would uh, maybe call Uncle Chael, figure out which ones are actually beneficial because he's taking them all apparently. Um, Oh, and then, and we'll make sure to uh, to work with the commissions to get um, TUEs. That's a therapeutic use exemption, if you didn't know, for all the fighters that are in need of medical cannabis. This is something I'm very much uh, in advocacy for. And I would allow all the sp- uh, fighters to have in-cage sponsorships, like the motherfucking Reebok deal does not allow with the UFC. And not only that, uh, in the interest of being a promoter, I would help the fighters get those sponsors, whether that's working with the networks to get their whatever sponsors are, are you know, whatever commercial uh, spots are played, getting their logos on the for- shorts, things like that. Um, obviously not to step on the toes of the managers and anyone that's getting a cut of that, but just sort of sort of help for anyone that's like, because I've, I've heard, you know, some of the benefits of the Reebok deal people talk about are the fact that like it makes them not have to go out and, and hunt for sponsors and it makes like young fighters without a name they're sort of guaranteed a sponsor in a way but it, it's it's the, the way they structure with how many appearances you've had is just it's just petty so uh i think that would be a way to kind of bridge the gap there and i would get all of my fighters a fucking 401k and healthcare as well full benefits because you know i'm a human and uh, one thing that I would do as well uh, would be matchups uh, would be decided decided with input from the fans. Um, not 100%. Sometimes you can't trust some of these motherfuckers to do some wild shit. But I've noticed since my time on MMA Twitter, 
and uh, just in general talking with fight fans, sometimes we have better ideas of what fight to make next. Um, and some, I feel like some of these matchmakers, they fucking miss the mark. And so it's, uh, it's something that I would feel like obligated to involve the audience that way and kind of make it interactive that way. If people vote on it and that fight ends up getting made, they can feel like they had a hand in it. And the other thing that is so essential, in my opinion, to running a successful promotion is to add extra programming like, for example, The Ultimate Fighter, uh, The Embedded Series, things like that. And a lot of regional programs don't have, um, regional promotions rather, don't have um, the broadcast deal that extends to, you know, content outside of that to be put on the network. But motherfucker, you can put it on YouTube. Um, I bet people that are listening to the show that always ask me to be on YouTube are like, motherfucker, you can be on YouTube. Uh, I'm going to figure it out eventually. But uh, yeah, dude, shit like that. Like the like stuff, stuff like the Embedded series and, and uh, other like interview shows and things like that are so important. And I feel like a lot of uh, regional programs, <laughs> I keep saying programming, regional fucking promotions don't get that and don't put in that extra effort. And that's something I feel like we that would separate us from everybody else. Um, let's talk about the production. And this is obviously like, this is a, you know, this is a fucking pie in the sky dream, but this is just my vision, right? So <laughs> I was thinking about the ongoing debate of what is better for MMA, a ring or a cage. And it's such a hipster thing to be like, oh, MMA in a ring is better. It's, you know, the pride days, fucking rise in, you know, all these things. But how motherfucking annoying is it when they get a takedown against the ropes and they either have to reset or move them to the middle? That shit is annoying as fuck and dangerous because uh, they can slip out. But something I hate about the cage is A, block sight lines, like for fans, and not only for fans and attendants, but uh, at home, like the camera can always get the best angle because of those motherfucking posts. And you have... It enables stalling tactics. It allows people to like you know, smush motherfuckers up against the cage. They're just sort of like fighting for underhooks and stuff like that. Nobody wants to see that. So I was thinking about um, something I saw on Fight Pass a long time ago called Karate Combat, um, a promotion that Bass Rudin was involved with. Boss Rudin, sorry, was involved with. I don't know if you guys saw, but it was in a pit, kind of. So it was like a big open. See, I think uh, martial arts are meant to be contested in like an open setting. Um, I mean, any setting really, but if you're talking about what, you know, like sort of gladiatorial style combat, it needs to be in an open setting. So it should be in a pit. Um, the, the karate combat one, like the sides are kind of sloped so that it goes in so that you can be on the edge and then people could kind of like the showtime stuff. Like you can kind of jump off that, I think. But, uh, for me, I I think like a hybrid, uh, that would be like the perfect balance between a ring and a cage. So the best of both worlds. And I, you might have to put some sort of fence around it, like, especially to get regulated by the commission. I'm not sure if, if they would allow, uh, a not fenced in arena, but that, uh, to me is the fucking way to go is like a little pit style. And, um, Oh yeah, all fighters will be coached on their walkouts if need be. I fucking hate when someone has a boring ass walkout, dude. You gotta get your fucking walkout approved by me. And if you don't have a good walkout, I'll make you a better one. Duh. I mean, what what else did you expect? 
And, um, oh, I want to bring back the one-night tournament. Uh, I was thinking about this for uh, title fights. Like, all titles would be would be done in a one-night tournament sort of setting. But uh, I don't know if that's necessarily valid. Because I also don't necessarily like title fights in general. like Or, or divisions where it's only... Where there's like a champion that's just sort of defending against random motherfuckers, especially in a regional promotion. Sometimes people are like get a title shot in their first fight just because of like record or whatever, um, or they just throw a title up to I don't know because they need a main event or whatever. So I was thinking about the kind of the best of both worlds, and that uh, I wouldn't want regular divisional titles, just sort of tournament titles. And uh, so I would do the one night tournament. Invicta is already doing it. It's not like a new thing, right? I mean. It's obviously a callback to UFC 1 and things like that. But, uh, and obviously PFL has the fucking, you fight twice a night at the end of the thing. But um, that's, to me, I think the best way to do it. And the other thing is, I was thinking about all, the goal of any MMA promotion should be to be uh, on free TV. Like when Bellator made this deal with The Zone and they went on this fucking dumbass platform that is main for boxing and you have to pay 20 bucks a month and you stream it it is bullshit number one number two sometimes aren't the prelims on like facebook or you have to like you know fucking watch them on your microwave and then stand on top of your roof with the fucking so many hoops to jump through dude i hate it just be on paramount like you were the old spike tv fucking that's it so gotta get on free tv but if uh, we were not able to secure a broadcast deal, uh, I would stream a pay-per-view like on our website or something like that uh, online or YouTube or whatever with the price being pay what you can. Uh, that's something I kind of took from my experience in theater. Sometimes uh, like regional theater companies or local theater uh, companies or whatever will do a pay what you can night for like college students or whatever like that so that you can just sort of fucking contribute. Because a lot of people stream because they can't afford it and while that's fine, like that's kind of shitty for the promotion and the fighters involved, uh, it doesn't help anyone's paycheck. So if you pay what you can, then you feel like you're contributing something, even if it's like a dollar or whatever, you know? And uh, that's something I would like to see. And with that, going along with my whole uh, philosophy on that, the revenue would be shared with the fighters according to their placement on the card. I think you can track viewership that way, like which which fight the viewership spiked, like which caused people to fucking join because of or whatever. Um, and so uh would definitely be tracking that in order to pay out the fighters a little percentage of that. And if going out along with that, if it was on a pay-per-view or, uh, like, or if it was a streaming service rather than free tv and there, you had to do that commentary will be optional uh this is probably something that technology might not have 100 caught up with but uh and i know you can switch back and forth between different commentary sometimes on fight pass so it can be done um because you want to hear obviously the kicks and the punches and the corner so that's important so i have to maybe do two separate audio streams i'd I figure it out i'd get a nerd okay I'd figure it out and with that said uh, the last little bit of production notes I have is that announcing would be done by yours truly. I would announce all the fights as the the president of the company, which is something that I wish would happen. Like, it goes back to the whole, like, uh, P.T. Barnum days 
when uh, it was like there's like a ringleader, you know what I mean? Like it's just like a carnival barker kind of style where you're like, ah, nah, that's corner, but it, it's the actual the face of the company. Um, it'll be badass. And obviously, that's a dream of mine. So I'm going to insert myself in there 100% if it's my promotion. Duh. And there you have it. That's all I have. Uh, this is maybe an ongoing thing I might revisit because um, I think it's just kind of fun to think about. And uh, like I said, I want to hear from you guys. Uh, let's keep us all entertained during this motherfucking quarantine. And I would say I use quarantine like, like a real quarantine is where no one can fucking leave and you're isolated and it's like whatever. But we call it a quarantine when your city's on basically lockdown, like it's a stay-at-home order, things like that. And uh, that's what we should be doing anyway to stop the spread of this fucking COVID-19 bullshit. So there you have it. Like I said, want to hear your thoughts on that? You probably hate my ideas. That's fine. But I want to hear yours. If you don't like mine, get a better one. Okay? All right. And so now let's take a break. Because even though the world is crazy, we still got to get paid to do this thing. So let's take a break and then get into my agenda, as I mentioned. Welcome back. Welcome back. And now this, as I said, is my agenda. Um... This may be just for this podcast. I don't think this is going to be a new segment, but it's definitely replacing news because none of this is really news except I do have one thing, but that sort of goes in with the agenda a little bit. Um, but uh, first I want to talk about something that is very uh, near and dear to me, and I hope I'm not misstepping, and I hope you all take a listen. Uh, so I was raised differently than most people. Um, my dad converted to vegetarianism before I was born, and um, started getting a lot into health food and nutrition and uh, just like the healing properties of different foods and things like that. So from a young age, like I didn't really go to the doctor when I had something wrong or I never took like fucking like antibiotics or medicine. It was always like, what herb can we give? Like you have a headache, take white willow bark. Oh, you're uh, indigestion, take ginger, like things like that. Uh, it's just always been part of my upbringing. So that's kind of the approach I take with most things. In fact, um, my can the both times I had cancer, I took to a more non-traditional approach in uh, defeating it. And um, I've talked about this uh, on Twitter before. I don't know if I have, but there's a, there's a gentleman who was sort of my inspiration for that, um, other than my um, my own parents, because actually before I was born, my mom had uh, cervical cancer, and my dad uh, converted her to vegetarianism to to cure it, and went raw food, changed her diet, and uh, got rid of the cancer that way. Uh, and so that was my inspiration, but also a gentleman uh, named Chris Wark, who has a website called crispycancer.com, where he talks about how he beat cancer with nutrition and by following some other like lifestyle changes, which he details as like a 12 square program, something like that. So it's something that's very important to me. Um, so when it, when I think about this coronavirus and, and what we can do to, to beat it, um, actually, my dad came across this study, and so I wanted to kind of share it with you guys a little bit. I put it on, it's my pinned tweet on Twitter, not the podcast one, but my personal one, at Aaron Ish Jackson. And uh, it's, uh, it, there are people that are like kind of arguing in the comments. Like, you, if you don't believe it, that's fine. If, if you think it's a, it's a hoax, that's fine. Uh, but I want to put this information out there. Do with it what you will. Um, there is an herb which shows more promise than anything. Uh, even chemicals and prescription meds in defeating it, and that herb is called sweet wormwood. Um, if you end up wanting to go get this, make sure that it's not regular wormwood, it's sweet wormwood. There's a difference. Uh, but the, the data behind it is, uh, maybe pronounce this 
I'm, I may be pronouncing this wrong, but chloroquine, um, it's a malaria treatment. They've tried that, and that has been shown to, to kill the coronavirus. The chemical that's in chloroquine is artemisinin. It's A-R-T-E-M-I-S-I-N-I-N. I may also be pronouncing that wrong. That's wrong to spell. It's artemisinin. Uh, this is the same chemical that's in sweet wormwood. And there was a study they did. Uh, I linked the article that explains this in the tweet. Um, it was a very small study. There was only 18 people, but it was shown to be 100% effective. So uh, stay stay safe, everybody. Stay healthy. Um, this is not like you shouldn't take it if you have it. Or sorry, you should only take it if you have it. You shouldn't take it just to kind of prevent it. It's more of like, this is like plan B. Like plan A is to keep social distance, which people aren't fucking doing enough. Six feet or more. Stay the fuck away from each other. Uh, you know, take lots of vitamin C. Boost your immune system. Things like that. Uh, wash your goddamn hands after you touch everything. After you've been outside. Like wash your fucking hands, everybody. Jesus. But uh, so plan A is to avoid it. But if you get it, this is plan B to help kill it. And uh, I wanted to make sure all my... Um, homies had this information i've already shared it with a few people um i wanted to basically wait till the podcast to uh disseminate the information because i didn't want to cause a bunch of panic buying uh and then i kind of tweeted it anyway because i was like i can't wait i like there it was a catalyst because i saw this post uh someone um commented it and, or retweeted it and it was about how italy is is uh having one of the worst cases and, and they're having a terrible time with it i'm like god they fucking need sweet warm one jesus and i decided to um, post this thread so you can call me crazy you can call me a hippie that's fine uh, and again do your own research use the information with it what you will but this is something that I think would work and I'm going to keep believing in it so there's that now uh, besides that there's a couple of other things I want to talk about so uh, people are um, wanting to sort of maintain a sense of normalcy uh, with regards to you know, our daily schedule of like watching fights every week and things like that. And, uh, there's a, there's a gentleman in the community who I want to give a big shout out to. It's at God's MMA, the MMA gods, uh, that guy's the shit. And, uh, he started a hashtag called quarantine and MMA hashtag quarantine and MMA. So search that hashtag. You'll find it. He's posting, trying to set up a schedule for watching, you know, old fights on fight pass. Uh, they recently did UFC 200, even WEC 29 and 30, I believe, things like that. So um, him and I, I want to say Shannon has evolved. She may or may not be, um, but it's it, it's it's something that I I fully support and, and want to make sure everyone listening has that. Uh, and uh, we're doing it yesterday with with the ESPN having uh, you know UFC day. I know Deja was trying to get some going where everyone was live tweeting the fights, and uh, a lot of people were doing that as well. So things like that are great and. Uh, when when you are in isolation like this and when a lot of other normal life has been shut down, connecting with people is so important and uh, this is a big part of it. So uh, I want us all to kind of be doing that. Um, the other thing is like, I want, to, I want to say this, like, yes, normalcy, I love it. This hashtag, Quenchinime, I love it. But a lot of people are like, what do we do now? We got to watch fights. And they're watching fights every day of the week. I'm like, guys, did you already do that? Because for me... Personally, I treat fights like a treat. It's a it's an event. Even if it's a fucking small ass fight card on ESPN Plus, like I treat it like an event. I don't watch fights during the week other than like the programming and podcasts and stuff like that. I kind of keep myself informed and entertained in the world, but I watch regular ass TV shows. Motherfucker, I watch other shit going on in my life, the news, TV, whatever. 
a movie. Then when it comes Fight Night, I'm like, yes, let's fucking go. And that's what is that's why it's so exciting. So um, I just wanted to kind of remind everyone that just because there's no MMA doesn't mean you have to always be watching it. Unless that's what you did before, then God fucking bless you and keep doing it. Because, again, normalcy is the key. But uh, especially when we, we maybe, you know, kind of, let's say, on lockdown or on quarantine for an indefinite amount of time, like, you don't need to be uh, blowing your load too early in the sense you don't want to watch all the fights right away. You fucking spread it out. You know, there's other shit. There's all the episodes you haven't listened to of this podcast and all the other podcasts, um, which uh, I encourage you to listen to. Fucking my blogs, motherfucking read a book. R-E-A-D-A-B-O-O-K. If you haven't heard that song, you should go look it up. Uh, it says the N-word, so I'll uh, repeat it, but it's funny as fuck. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, the last thing is this. You may not have seen this uh, posted about, and I've yet to confirm if it actually went down since this just happened last night. It was supposed to happen, but by all reports, it did not get shut down. There was a, a last MMA fight in the country. Uh, obviously, there was there was Cage Warriors on Friday, Um but in the U.S., there was one last regional promotion that had a fight on Saturday, and it was Combat Night, uh, which is in Jacksonville, Florida. So the most Florida thing to be, like, hanging on and not wanting to fucking shut things down. But um, I wanted to read some snippets from a report that Mark Ramundi did. Shout out to Mark Ramundi, one of my favorite um, MMA journalists. Uh, does a lot of great reporting on commissions and regulating and uh, certain things going on. Uh he says the UFC has postponed its next three events with the plan to still go ahead with the UFC 249 pay-per-view card April 18th at a yet-to-be-determined location. Bellator, the country's second biggest promotion, canceled its event last weekend and doesn't have another scheduled until May 9th. States such as California and Nevada have scrapped combat sports until at least March 25th. Combat night, though, will still press forward Friday night. Stephen Kelleher, who runs the combat sports data site, have Combat Sports data site Tapology's Fight Center said Combat Night is the only confirmed MMA card running this weekend uh, and one of the only five confirmed MMA events carrying on worldwide over the next few days. Uh, when it says this weekend, obviously that's referring to this past weekend that ends today, uh, if you're listening this on Sunday. Um, it's, it's just crazy. So the fighters are getting to fight and getting their paychecks to pay their rent and have groceries. These fires have been done dirty by promoters so many times in the past. This is uh, a quote from Mitchell Kamel, Chamel, not sure if I'm pressing them right, the promoter of Combat Night. He said it was important for him to still run the event because the athletes on the card wanted to fight and wanted to get paid. As long as the state commission would allow for a card, Chamel said he wanted to keep it on as scheduled. There will be no fans in attendance. So they had to go through all these hoops and, and do the same thing that like, UFC Brazil did, which like not having 50 people in a room at one time. And uh, it's just it's just crazy that the rest of the fucking world was on lockdown and, and the UFC had to cancel their show. And they're like, nah, still going on. It makes me wonder, like, what the fuck is going on? And listen, the only the only good thing about this is, um, I mean, other than, you know, if, if you're able to watch it, you get to watch it. But um, all proceeds from the sales went to the Josh Salmon MMA Foundation. Um, if you don't remember, Josh Salmon was a UFC fighter who died during the peak of his career in 2016 due to a drug overdose he he was the co-owner of combat night and um, the foundation was started in his honor as a nonprofit that helps young potential fighters achieve their mma dreams so that was an awesome awesome thing and i hope they raised a lot of money 
to to be able to kind of fund uh, some of my fighters' dreams. Because otherwise, what the fuck? You're putting people at risk. Like, no contact, and you're fucking people. They're breathing on each other. They're hitting each other. The fucking blood is spilling. Like, oh my god, it, it's the most unsafe thing ever. Uh, and I I know I'm more uh, sensitive to this thing than than many other people. I've said this before. I have terrible, terrible anxiety. And uh, ever since I got cancer, like I think everything could be cancer. Like I'm like Jesus. What is that? Is it back again? Every little thing I have, and uh, like now my my like I feel like a little tightness in my chest, a little soreness in my throat. I'm like, oh, I got the fucking Rona. Like you got to take steps to prevent these things. And the fact that they were still doing this was completely reckless, in my opinion, just completely fucking reckless. Um, so on the one hand, I'm like, like I said, I'm glad the fighters got paid because a problem with this whole thing is that fighters are independent contractors and they don't get paid if they don't work. There's no pension set up in place for them. There's, there's no like, I mean, maybe they can file for unemployment. I'm not sure if they can. Depends on their fucking state's laws, probably, uh, or or do they have to file in Nevada because they're employed by the UFC? Like, what the fuck? So there's there's a lot of questions about it that are like unanswered, and at least those fighters got to get paid, and I hope it was worth it for them because that. Is going to be the last pay they're going to receive from fighting for a really long time. And uh, I guess that wraps up the segment. So sorry for, for being on a soapbox. Sorry if, uh, you know, I, the goal of this podcast for the next few weeks is, is going to attempt to be a distraction from things. But I also got to talk about the world around us and the world around us is going to shit right now. So uh, I, I can't stray away from it too much because Good God, shit is a shit show. All right, uh, much love, and uh, let's start the forum. I still need a theme song for the forum. I really do. I was thinking about trying to make one similar to the fucking... <laughs> this is so dumb, but I was thinking about making one of the fucking, like, similar to Blue's Clues. I was like, they were like when it comes, I want a whale mail. Like the mail song. But originally in my, in my head, it was going to be like some like gladiatorial like trumpets and fucking like just like instrumental. Just like. Burr, 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 burr. So anyway, I'm on the lookout for that. Um, but uh, let's start the form. Last week we ended it on a on a very, very positive note from the homie mixed a man. And uh, that is that same energy we are starting this form with. And uh, so take it away, mixed up. Juice, it's a homie mixed a man here calling in to wish everybody uh, happy days and good health. I hope you guys, your loved ones, your family, your friends, your fuck buddies, and your husbands and wives are all doing great. And whatever type of weird shit you're into, you're still being able to pursue your crazy. Uh, my deepest sympathies go out to anybody that's been impacted by this. If, if anybody is sick or their loved ones are sick or you're, you're losing income here, uh, my deepest sympathies go out to you. Uh, and my deepest gratitude to those of you that are still going to work every day, our grocery workers, our hospital workers, whoever's getting out there risking exposure to keep the wheels of the industry moving. Thank you so much. I, I really, really, really appreciate everything you're doing. I know Juice appreciates it, and everybody here appreciates uh, what you guys are doing. So please, please keep up the great work if you're not able to stay at home. 
So thank you to everybody. My deepest sympathies for those who are impacted. You know, we don't always get to choose when adversity hits, but we do get to choose if we stand up to adversity. So if you're out there, I hope you're fighting for what's yours. I hope you're giving no shit. You're taking no fucks. And God damn it, we'll get through this together. So love you all. Wish you all nothing but the best. Um, and yeah, hope, hope you're all quarantined, happy and healthy and uh, getting laid and doing your thing. Juice, what are three UFC pay-per-view events we should all be re-watching to kill the time here? Great, great question and a great message. And yes, I echo everything he said. I, I talked about this a little bit before. Um, I kind of forgot to mention at the top of the show, I wanted to kind of give my thoughts on the situation. Um, and it, it very much like the way things are going on with businesses shutting down and things like that and my job it reminded me of UFC Brasilia like when they were throwing that event like it, it reminded me like not only of UFC Brasilia but the, the the events that followed that you know fight week that would have been the London fight week and it got canceled like it perfectly encapsulated my situation with my job uh, so when Bra UFC Brasilia was happening I was like, why is this fucking happening? Everyone else is canceling their events. The fucking commissions are putting on new rules. You know, the government's putting on new rules. Wake up, Dana White. Wake the fuck up. This needs to be stopped. This is fucking the worst way to spread it. And then I was like, well, I'm actually grateful that it's happening because it's giving me some entertainment and a little bit of a distraction. And I was so grateful for the fighters that uh, actually put down their fucking to put their health on the line more so than usual and uh you know that's sort of how i felt like you know i wanted my job to close immediately uh like whenever shit was getting bad i was like guys we need to be fucking working from home like i can do my job from home let me fucking work from home i never actually made that plea maybe it would have been heard but i just i often feel like my my voice falls on deaf ears um and i and i bet anyone that works at a large company can relate um but I was like, guys, what the fuck? Uh, but then as other stuff started to get closed and as, as my, my wife, you know, who's a nanny, had to stay at home, uh, you know, because to not affect the, the, the child who's very vulnerable um, at her house, I was very grateful actually to, to be working and, and to be continuing to, to, to provide, you know, income for our family. Um, but as like shit went away, I was like, God, why, why are we clinging to this? Like, let's just stop. Uh, and that's what happened. Like with UFC London, you know, I would have been very grateful to have that in my life. Uh, but it got to be like this situation where they were just like trying to put random, cobble random fights together and throw it everywhere. I was like, guys, just cut your losses. Call this fight off. Stop. What are you doing? So that's kind of where we're at now. I'm, 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 I'm now. You know, I, I think I'm actually waiting on an official call, you know, to hear that. But um, I, th I think we're, we're meant to be closed down by the government for, for now. And like not closed down for good, but just like a, sort of on lockdown because we're on an essential business, um, which is the right fucking call. Um, and I, again, to echo my sentiments of like when like the UFC London got canceled, I was sort of hoping it was going to call. I was like, Please just have one more fucking escape. Uh, but then when it, and when it got called, there was a sense of relief, but also just a sense of, like, but why? Like, 
when I was when I got him, I was like, "Yes, this is the right call. We it can't go on. Stop." But then I was like, "Oh, but no, there's no more fights." Like, like for me, I'm like, "Oh yes, God, we're safe." But then I'm like, "Oh, but but no no more no more job, no more money." Um, so uh, the government needs to fucking step in and do something, which I, I I think they are. I think it's being voted on on Monday whether or not the uh, the Senate is going to pass it and move into the House as far as what kind of stimulus checks we're going to get. I don't want to get into that. Again, it's not a political podcast, but um, yeah, that's how I feel about it. And to answer your question, Mick, uh, my God. So I always throw I always throw on like my favorite pay-per-view of all time. And it's also because it has a little bit of sentimentality behind it. But to me, uh, 199 was just magic. Uh, and, and it was also my first live UFC event. But there were so many underrated fights on that card. Every single fucking fight card delivered. That's why uh, the last time there was a dry spell with the UFC, I revisited this card with my, my best friend Leo, who came on the podcast because we were there. And it just like... That sort of reinforced our mentality to like watch every fight on the card, including the, the very first fight, because we walk in the arena at fucking 3.15 in the afternoon uh, because it's on the West Coast, and we're watching Polo Reyes and Dong Young Kim throw down in front of a basically empty arena. Like, we're one of the only people there, and I was like fucking christ are you kidding me and it and it, it, it rightly won fight of the night and it ended up being like one of the contenders for fight of the year like if if they would have separated like you know three round fights versus five round fights i mean unfortunately i think that was the same year as um duho Choi and uh cub swanson that obviously would have been fucking fight of the year for a three round fight but this that would have been number two and i was like dude we need to be watching every fucking fight. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, they're always going to deliver. Um, and like G always says on the WOCast, like, they're fighting for their fucking paycheck. They're fighting for stardom. So they're they're getting after it on the prelims. Um, so I always, I always think 199 is one to revisit. And you get the iconic moment of Max Holloway pointing to the ground and fucking with Ricardo Lamas, like, let's go. And that whole slug it out thing. Gangster as fuck. Um, another one. And again, this is a little bit because of sentimentality. Uh, I was there, but I think this stands, and I think people have said, regardless, you know, this is one of the best periods of all time. Two seventeen, like you had every single fight uh, delivering. Now, one fight that was kind of weird was, well, there was two fights. I, I ironically, heavyweight fights was the fucking Walt Harris, um, Mark Godbeer fight, which was which is fucking weird. They had the DQ. Uh, and that was also, I think I may have told a story before I was relocated to the, um, the top, the, the, the handicap seating, the top shelf. Cause I couldn't fucking fit in the other seats. I mean, I could, but my knees were hitting the stupid screen. It was a, it was a fucking mess. So I, I was watching that. And when one of them went for a takedown, they were on the ground, this fucking crazy ass lady next to me was like probably in her 50s. She was like, Ooh, they, they trying to make love. Why don't you stand up and fight? Stop fucking or whatever. Like I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe she's fucking seeing this right now. Uh, it shouldn't have like taken off her shirt and like waving it around. I was like, get out of here. Um, but yeah, but that fight was trash anyway. Like that's what I'm trying to say. My point was that fight sucked, but the rest of the fucker was, was a banger. Um, Oh, I was gonna say the, the Curtis Blades Alexia Olenek fight was uh, weird, like a weird DQ, or not a DQ, but a weird like TKO because he couldn't continue 
um alexi couldn't like it was a kind of a weird situation uh but uh the fucking hikardo hamos uh spinning elbow knockout of Eamon Zahabi. my god i can still fucking hear the arena being silent after that fucking you could hear his elbow in the jaw dude um Randy Rubeboy Brown beating the fucking brakes off of Mickey Gall. Uh, dude, like those prelims were delivered. And then you had those those three title fights where Rose knocked the fuck out of Joanna Yon Jacek. And I'll say again, the fuck out of Joanna Yon Jacek. And then TJ beat Cody Garbrandt and Bisping Ver beat, or uh, sorry, <laughs> Bisping, rest in peace, um, GSP beat Bisping. Uh, those three title fights were fucking amazing. And if you didn't see this, this is some crazy numerology. Rose beat Ioana in the first round and it was her first title reign, the first time she won a title. Cody lost in the second round. TJ beat him in, in the second round and that was his second title reign. GSP beat Bisping in the third round, and that was his third title reign. It was kind of a weird situation, and then there were the first, second, third title fights in order, respectively. Craziness. I love shit like that. And let me tell you this. That f- fucking Rose Yoana fight solidified my uh, philosophy on picking fights. Because going into that fight, I was a big Rose fan, but I also liked Yoana, and I was like, I was like, you know, Yoana's a killer. Like, Rose isn't ready. Like, this is... Like, why are they making this fight? She's the land of the slaughter. And... um I couldn't believe I was I was fucking putting those vibes out on my girl. My wife, her favorite fighter is Rose. Like we love Rose and her more than more than anyone. And even though I was picking Joanna, she was like, "No, I got to go with Rose. Like I, I think she can get it done." I I couldn't believe it. I was like I was like, "Babe, you're going to be disappointed. I'm sorry. Like I don't I want to be prepared." And then she fucking shocked the world. And I, I, I think we saw this video somewhere because we like sent it to Leo. Like, she was going crazy. The arena was electric. The place was on fire. She was like, Ben, no one, fuck you. Woo, Rose, yeah. We basically had like a similar like DC reaction of like, dog Rose, dog Rose. But like, just going crazy. And uh, from that moment, I was like, why am I fucking... Like, the payoff is so great when you, when you root for your favorite fighter and they pull off an upset like that it's just so fucking satisfying it's it's, it's so gratifying that i'm like from now on i'm picking with my heart always you gotta do it you gotta do it fuck picking with your brain stop it stupid mma twitter um so 199 217 uh another uh pay-per-view that i am uh, a big fan of is 189 and uh Everyone likes to shit on Connor lately, and I do my fair share of shitting on him as well. Let's not get it twisted. But those fucking the Walkout and the Chad Mendez fight, oh my god. Um, that is how Walkout should be done, in my opinion. Um, and uh, the fucking Robbie Lawler, Roy McDonald 2 fight, are you kidding me? And you had the Dennis Bermudez, I think Jeremy, Jeremy Stevens fight, which was fucking insane. Gunnar Nelson uh, was was insane on that uh, fight card. They call Pendred fight on that as well? insane the the whole the whole fight was insane the whole fight card was insane so 189 199 and uh 217 oh and i forgot to mention 199 has a has a historical uh aspect to it because that was the first car where they instituted early weigh-ins that was uh implemented by andy foster of the california state athletic commission so there's a i mean that doesn't fucking impact anyone but me who's like a nerd about that kind of thing but um 
I was like to put that factoid out there. And that was the fight card that Ariel Hawani got. Basically, his credentials pulled from the UFC for breaking the news about Brock Lesnar at UFC 200, which is so dumb. So, uh, yeah, love that. All right, this next question is from Dave Fritz. Hey, what's up, Juice? This is uh, Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. Just sitting here, locked up, locked away. I'm watching UFC 12 Judgment Day. Just watched uh, Vitor Belfort lay a beating on Scott Ferrozo, uh, Mark Coleman, and Dan Severn up next. And before that, I actually was watching... Uh, Shantara's blog, uh, video blog on uh, YouTube. So if any of you out there haven't seen it yet, you should check it out. He's doing a day-by-day uh, through the, the shelter lockdown. And uh, it's kind of interesting. Curious to see uh, where it ends up in the next couple weeks. And from that, I'm just wondering uh, what you and, and uh, what you guys are doing at that end, Juice, uh, to keep yourselves busy, busy and sane. Are you watching fights or what are you guys up to? Peace. Yes, I love this question. First of all, I'm glad he shouted out Shane Terra's vlog. Uh, it's funny, I was watching it, he, he wasn't sure how to pronounce it, v, uh, vlog or vlog, it's vlog. Or, or that might have been Season Salt. Anyway, both of these gentlemen are actually doing vlogs about the situation. Anthony is having to get immunotherapy in a hospital that has a hotbed for COVID-19. So what the fuck, dude? Um, but he's he's vlogging, and I think that's so awesome. Uh, and my fucking prayers are with him and it's like, oh my God, like be safe. Uh, I, I need you to be safe, please. Um, and Shane Tara is, is vlogging the whole, like California being in a stay at home order and being on lockdown. And, uh, I was thinking when I was watching Shane Tara, I was like this, if, if, if what I'm reading is true, like I've, I've read a couple articles and, and stuff. There was one particular one that caught my eye, um, that I saw Kaposa post, which was how, um, like someone at MIT made it and how like this COVID-19 situation is going to affect the way we live our lives for the rest of eternity. Probably basically it's like even, and, and, you know, God willing, we're going to get through this. And I, I believe we will if everyone wakes the fuck up and does their fucking what they need to do. But the whole social distancing and, and certain aspects of, of our like lifestyle, that's going to, that's here to stay. For a while, and it was like a whole like social kind of uh, commentary, basically on on what's going on. And I was like, "Damn, dude!" So I was thinking, I was watching Shane Tara's vlog. I was like, "This could be like sort of a record on what life was like," <laughs> or like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, just kind of just kind of a weird thing. But but definitely check that out. And great uh, um, question, Dave. Now it, it's funny, like. Kate has been on sort of lockdown-ish, you know, has been going out for things and, you know, we go over to her mom's um, since like Thursday of last week, not the one, you know, three days ago, but a week and three days ago. And I've been at work this whole time. Uh, Friday was my, supposedly my last day. I, I think they might be coming on Monday just to like wrap things up or whatever. I'm not sure, but supposedly we're supposed to be on like now we're supposed to be on sort of a lockdown. So mine kind of just started. But we've, we're talking about we're going to play uh, the Switch, Nintendo Switch, because we got one last Christmas. I wanted one for like a long time. Um, hey. And uh, we never get to fucking play it. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the Switch, and I'm going to probably scour the, um, 
the store that they have on there for like free games or cheap games. Um, no, I'm not going to play Fortnite with you. I'm sorry. Anyone that plays Fortnite, I'm sorry. I'm going to play Fortnite. Um, I might give it a try though, actually, because I'm kind of curious. And I never even like gave it a try. I heard it's cool on the Switch, but um, it also like things like that where it's like, you get too into online gaming like that shit can be addictive and it's, and it's scary to me so i'm mostly just gonna play like stuff that um i can uh just play on my own i'm actually gonna get into that though with uh when i answer yugi's question in the twitter forum uh because i wish i could play like ufc with with y'all um ufc3 and stuff like that but um for now i'm gonna i'm gonna stick to the switch uh so we're playing that and we're also watching uh shows on netflix a lot which we did already so it's it's kind of part of keeping with that normalcy but uh we also like the other the other night we did a like a wine and puzzles night um i'm not sure if liquor stores are going to remain open originally they said they were going to be closed but then um the homie uh t cross who you're going to hear from next episode actually spoiler alert um <laughs> usually you say spoiler alert before but i said it after um actually uh posted something that said uh, in New Jersey liquor stores are considered essential, <laughs> which is so funny to me. Uh, but yeah, so we, we, we like did some puzzles. We uh, were at her family's playing Cards Against Humanity and this board game, which I think is really fun, called Blockus, which is like, people liken it to Tetris, but it's not. It's not that. It's, it's like a puzzle game where you have to like, you play with four people or less and you start it like, uh, I mean, usually with three or four. When it's it two, it's like not really that fun. But uh four usually four people and you each have a corner and there's little blocks and it's like a grid right and you can only stack your blocks when you place it the corners have to be touching but only the corners you can't like overlap it too much it has to be only the corners touching but then when other people place theirs they don't have to adhere to that rules regarding your pieces only theirs so you can kind of block each other and overlap that way and then you play till you run out of fucking moves basically and then whoever has the least amount of blocks left wins uh it's it's kind of fun it sounds like nerdy as fuck but it's fun um so we're playing that uh watching like i said a bunch of netflix we're already binging um the magicians which is a series that i i really am loving and we just started watching lucifer which is something that my co-workers have been trying to get me to watch and i'm like nah but then i just like sort of put it on last night and kate ended up liking it so we've been watching it and i'm i'm loving that show lucifer so yeah it's going to consist of a lot of netflix binging and things like that and we're going to fucking play a lot of switch i'm actually going to try and we have for like <laughs> One of our last, um, one of Kate's last burst birthdays um, when we were in L.A., so this probably would have been her birthday in 2016. Uh, no, yeah, I think I think it was. I got her a ukulele because she always wanted to learn, uh, but then it turns out um, I didn't get a left-handed one. She's a lefty, and it was hard for her to learn, so she hasn't touched it. And I'm thinking, like, dude, I want to fucking learn ukulele, so I'm going to learn ukulele. And if that happens, dude, there's going to be more, there's going to be fucking original songs on this podcast. How about that? No more dumb parodies like the one that I opened the show with. By the way, I, I keep fucking always forgetting. I always mean to like say the songs in case anyone's like interested in them to like hear the original because obviously those are way better. Uh, but uh, I, I started a thread on my Twitter that I'm going to put this on. But um, the original song that opened with this episode uh, uh, is from an artist called Sandy Tom. Sandy's with an I, Tom is spelled T-H-O-M, and it's called I Wish I Was a Punk Rocker. So it's an awesome song, and uh, I wish I, I'm like going off the rails, but I need to, I feel like I want to tell the story of like, 
Uh, so like that song doesn't have any fucking thing to do with MMA, obviously. And it's like not even anything that I, like it's a stretch that I even included it in this podcast. The only way I could do it is if there's no fights that it would be relevant to. Um, but uh, I just had that those lyrics popping into my head about the Just Bleed guy. And I was like, dude, that's fucking a good thing. But uh, uh, the first time I ever heard that song was at a house party in Vegas. Um, I always say I'm from California because I was born in, in California. I was born in Fulton, Anaheim. Uh, but then I moved to Vegas when I was four. And that's where I did all of my schooling until senior year. So I fucking grew up in Vegas. Like, that's my hometown, really. Um, and uh, I went away for college. And then I came back in between my freshman and sophomore year. And I had never smoked weed and drank at the same time um, until this party. Uh, and I even only had, like, smoked weed, like, fucking once or twice in um, college at that point in my life but uh we were fucking drinking we're doing like shots of jaeger we're like drinking beers we're fucking probably jack I don't know what, there was so much i can't even remember but i was smoking some good ass weed as well and um they put on this song like it just came on and the fuck like whenever you hear like an acapella song a song that has an acapella bit it just like registers like to me like chills like as long as it's good obviously but like the opening starts like like I did where there's no beat or or no music behind it acapella just like oh I wish I was a punk rocker with flowers in my hair and I just was like whoa like I was fucking transported and I was just like dude this is a fucking vibe and I hate that word and I hate using it like like oh this is a vibe or whatever it's so like esoteric in the fucking like coconut platitudes but like I was listening like I was fuck like music does that to you sometimes. Like, it has that effect where you feel like you're in a different place. And I was listening to a song like, dude. And then it came on like a couple more times. And I was, I, I never, like, I always hate when songs get on repeat on a playlist at a fucking house party or whatever. But every time it came on, I would stop what I'm doing. I would just fucking rock out. And I was like, this is the vibe, dude. This is the jam. And every time I hear that song, it takes me back to that party. And I, and I like, like a time in my life when I, didn't care about fucking bills when I didn't care about, uh, you know, my health, <laughs> you know, I didn't care about this, obviously this virus. So, uh, that song is, uh, very special to me. And so, uh, if you hated my singing, I'm sorry. Uh, I needed to do that, um, for this podcast. So thanks Dave. Wow. What a great question caused me to ramble uh, for no reason. What's going on? You bunch of fucking casuals. What a world we're living in right now, eh? Holy fuck, man. Crazy times out there, peeps. Crazy, crazy fucking times. For anybody who's out there working on the front lines, we really do appreciate everything you do. Seriously, all the way across the world, no matter who you are. Much appreciated. Be safe, y'all. Peace. There you go. Always great to hear from Jim. Follow the man Jim Asun at Jim Asun One, and uh, follow Mixed Man as well at Mixed Man. Dave Fretz plugged his uh, handle, so you already know. But uh, yeah, fucking love that guy. Fighting with myself, first time, long time here. Name's Christopher. Just want to know what's your favorite pizza crust. You a New York style guy? You a Chicago deep dish guy? I fucking hope not. You a Sicilian guy, flatbread, fucking pizza bagel, stuffed crust, 
the fuck you do with your pizza? What do you like? All right. Before I sign off, I'm going to need you to do one more thing for me. Speak into the mic, bitch. Go. <laughs> Uh, thank you for the first time call, Christopher. Uh, what a great question about pizza. Dude, I'm so happy to be answering this because I was actually having uh, a little conversation on Twitter with uh, the homie Haroon. I think it's Thick Sauce 3 now or Thick Sauce 2 maybe. Got his old one back. I'm not sure. Uh, but he, he's from Sweden. He posted a thing. I was like, Swedish pizza is the best. There's no fucking contest. And I was like, sir, I can't have you putting this on the timeline. That's fine. It looks delicious. I'm sure it is. But it's not pizza. Dude, pizza is fucking... Dude, even pizza from Italy is different than what we know as pizza and what was originally pizza. Like, we fucking invented pizza. Even, like, the Italians that came over f to, to, to New York and settled in, in Ellis Island, when they made pizza, which uh, now we've uh, known, to my knowledge, can be traced back to New Jersey, is fucking not pizza in Italy. It's different. It's, it's like a nap... Napoli and the fucking I don't know what whatever the fuck that is, but like no, pizza is from New York. Pizza is fucking from New Jersey. That's pizza, New York style pizza, man. That's what I'm a fucking fan of. Chicago. I'm so glad you said that. We're on the same wavelength as this. I thought I would like it when I was before I came to the East Coast and I knew what real pizza was. I fucking tried it at this restaurant um, that uh, is across the street from the dealership I used to work at that my friend Leo still works at called Village Pizza or what the, Numero Uno Pizza. Bro, bro, this pizza was the fucking worst. And I was trying their deep dish or their Sicilian style or whatever, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll like it. It's gross, dude. It's pizza cake. The fucking oil seeps in and it's disgusting. I'm sorry if you're from Chicago and you think you are the fucking uh, in a tower of like, oh, you don't know pizza until you have a Chicago deep dish. Fuck you, dude. That pizza's gross, dude. Chicago deep dish. And maybe it's because I haven't had deep dish from Chicago. Maybe I should go actually to Chicago and give their pizza a chance. But anytime I've had Chicago deep dish from anywhere else, it's garbage. Pizza is fucking a thin New York style slice with sauce and cheese. That's it. Maybe put some onions on it. Actually, definitely put some onions on it. That's my favorite pizza topping. Along with like some fresh garlic. I love fresh garlic on my pizza. Uh, I mean, obviously toppings or whatever, but I'm talking about like a fucking base. Don't put all this weird shit. Don't put different sauce. And like, sometimes when G posts those things of like, like who eats this? Like what the fuck? Sometimes I'm like, I'll eat it. Like it doesn't look that bad. It's just like, leave mac and cheese alone. Leave, leave pizza alone. I stand with G on this. Pizza is pizza. And don't put all the other bullshit on it. Um, we're on a fucking, this is a movement fucking keep pizza the way it is how it's meant to be and if you haven't had uh east coast pizza come to my fucking place in new jersey and i'll take you to some fucking new jersey pizza wow great question and that's the end of the voice questions actually um and before we go to the twitter form i actually got a question from harry levinson via email um so shout out to, to this guy um he says, Juice, I was going to send in a voice question, but because of all the coughing, etc., it hurts a lot to speak. Just a warning, this is not MMA related. Don't worry, it's fine. It's that kind of episode. He says, I love musicals. Favourites include Wicked, which I've seen on Broadway, Hamilton, Rent, and In the Heights. Do you like musicals? If so, what's your favourite? 
I've gone down a complete YouTube YouTube rabbit hole and started watching Tony Award comp compilations. Neil Patrick Harris has some sick opening numbers. Lots of love, Juice. Stay safe. Yes, and lots of love to you, sir. Um, please be healthy. Please get your hands on some sweet wormwood. Please, um, if if you if you find the study to be at all helpful I, I i know it's not for everybody and you know take my word with a grain of salt but please i want you to be healthy i want you to be safe um now this is one of the best questions of all fucking time and it makes me <laughs> i know you fucking listen but it makes me think you don't because i've actually used a song from in the heights uh, to open episode 37 of this podcast um i'm planning to use actually my shot from hamilton and for i believe episode 41 i used um roxy from the musical chicago obviously in tribute to roxy and i haven't heard from her since i think she's mad at me that's another question for another podcast so actually do i love musicals of course i fucking love musicals what you need to do right now is listen to the music from passing strange if you haven't heard this musical right now anyone listening anyone Listen to Passing Strange. You've got time. We've got time. Listen to Passing Strange. Now, I know you're not going to... You, you might resist if, you, if you're not into musicals on the, uh, in your daily life. Passing Strange is different from anything you've ever heard. It is not a traditional musical. It is the perfect blending of pop music and storytelling, in my opinion. It is what every musical should strive to be. Because um, in the 40s and 50s, musicals used to actually influence pop music and vice versa. So um, we've gone away from that and we've we've stuck to more traditional know, style of singing. And, 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 and it's it's not, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda is trying to bring it back with what happened in Passing Strange. It was written by a gentleman named Stu, uh, who has a band called Stu and the Negro Problem. Uh, do uh, wrote it's sort of uh, autobiographical. It's, it's a funk band, so his music that's in the show is like funk and rock and like fucking like old school jams. Like it's fucking brilliant. You'll love it. I I absolutely know you love it. Now, by the way, I think it's passing strange. I fucked up the dialect. Don't c cancel me. Um, Anyway, you can actually, speaking of looking at Tony Award compilations, they performed on the Tonys and uh, what's his name? Adam something from the Counting Crows apparently was uh, flatmates with Stu in uh, London and they, uh, they became very good friends and he introduced their performance and he said that when, you know, passing strange passing strange whatever came on the scene it was like the whole world got to hear his favorite band and just hearing him uh announce it uh just gives me great joy and i think it's a perfect sort of introduction to the show because they do a few numbers um but you can actually spike lee um filmed their last performance on broadway uh and made an ifc film out of it and so you can find that on youtube um, my good friend Will Anderson sent me the link and I will send it to you if you need it. Um, 
unfortunately, like, well, I mean, fortunately for me, but unfortunately for you, the subtitles are in Spanish for some reason. It's weird, but I, I quite like it. Um, but I used to, it used to be on Netflix. They should fucking bring it back to Netflix. But apparently Netflix has like a fucking like thing where not, if not enough people listen, it'll eventually get taken down. And so it's fucking sad, but, um, they used to be on Netflix and, um, the whole thing, it's it shot brilliantly. It's not just like a regular filmed production where they just do like a wide shot and whatever. There's fucking dud tangles, there's close-ups, there's weird shit. It's a fucking Spike Lee movie, but it's filmed from the stage. So you get the full full aspect of a live performance. It's ab absolutely brilliant. And uh, it's about uh, a gentleman, uh, like a young man who, who grows up um, in a black neighborhood, but often feels like he's not... Um, doesn't fit in so he feels like he's passing as black um it's it's sort of about the, the black experience in america and it's fucking good and he goes over to europe so you get like he, he's in amsterdam and he's in berlin oh fucking great great music so yeah that's my favorite musical actually and um my another favorite of mine is the robber bridegroom uh just just um solely on the fact that it's nobody else's favorite <laughs> and uh it's weird as fuck it's like bluegrass country music but uh i kind of enjoy that sometimes and uh it's just sort of like a weird story i also love all of the ones you said uh particularly hamilton in the heights lately um like i said i'm working on putting hamilton on the podcast because it's quite relatable uh thank you for your question harry harry i i fucking love you and uh be well please Now, let's get back to the show. No, just kidding. Uh, this question is from Eamon. Uh, it's at Team Thumbo 2. And normally when I read uh, Eamon's questions, I try and uh, do a, my attempt in Irish dialect, which is very bad. But this deserves to be said uh, in my regular voice just because I, I want to get the emotion into it. And this is a very important statement. Uh, he says, I don't have a question, more of a depressing statement. It's time for a sense of community now more than ever. If by doing fight, pass, and chill, you can save an older person or a sick person's life, I think that's a fair trade. Do your part as if your loved one's lives depended on it. Nobody will appreciate doing the right thing until the bad thing knocks on their door. You don't have to read this out. I just need to get off my chest. No, I do need to read it out, Eamon, because that is the fucking energy I'm bringing with this. If you're complaining about being home, if you're bored... If we, if we have to stand home and watch Fight Pass and Netflix for a month, we can fucking get rid of this thing. <sighs> Jesus. Thank you, Eamon. Thank you. All right. This next question is from Raging Sweet Potato Man at Rage underscore Potato underscore 902. This is a fucking lot. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to... He said, do top fives for these. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do five for each one. Some of them might do more than five, but I'm, I'm going to get as much fucking... Basically, this is this is great because he's uh, asking for, like, basically material for people to watch and, and or read or, or consume while they're on lockdown. Uh, so he says, what are your top five um, I'm sick as fuck movies? Um, so when I'm sick as fuck and I'm just, like, binging whatever or, or watching whatever... I'll fucking I'll usually put on like Step Brothers it, like comedies like one of my favorite comedies Step Brothers, um, I Love You Man. Uh, I actually have a funny story about I Love You Man coming up later on on the podcast, uh, in the forum. Um, so yeah, Step Brothers, I Love You Man. Um, 
I also sometimes uh, need a good cry when I'm sick to just like get that out of my system. So I'll, I'll fucking pop on some Grey's Anatomy. I know you said movies, but sometimes that does a trick. Um, yeah. Um, also top five binge a season and a day shows. This is great. So um, one of the first ones I watched a whole season in a day was uh, Peaky Blinders. If you haven't seen Peaky Blinders, go fucking watch it. Uh, by order of the peaky fucking blinders um watch watch that movie or show watch the show it's on netflix great fucking show and uh it's just so it's so good um i feel like i also binged the first season of game of thrones in a day or, or it might have been over a couple of days but either way we fucking we got through those because we got into game of thrones late um more seasons you can binge in a day i mean oh this is a this is a fucking weird one that i pretty sure i binged in a day or at least we got through this show this show pretty fucking quick there's a weird i mean not not weird to me but it might be weird to some people <laughs> i mean let's be fair it's a little fucking weird um there's a show based in new zealand uh called the almighty johnsons and it's about um a family of gods who like they uh everyone in their family like when they turn 21 becomes a different god uh from from the norse from the norse mythology so like one of their uh one of their brothers is uh i think it's one of them is loki um other one other one becomes odin uh and and then and a lot of them become and one of them is like whatever is the one who's like the god of games they, they never lose a game it's, it's fucking brilliant uh, and a lot of a lot of shit happens. It's also kind of fucking dirty at points, which you know can appreciate. Uh, I love. It's, wow, I forgot about that show. It's so good, but it's also weird as fuck. So if you don't like weird shit and you don't like mythology, don't watch. But it's good as fuck. And if you don't like New Zealand dialects, because everyone has a New Zealand dialect, obviously because they're in New Zealand, it's a it's a good ass show. Um, top five ish <laughs> albums for a dismal future. Um, this also goes with like when I'm feeling low and I want to think ah, comedy helps and like fly to the concords. It just sort of like, but the music is so good. Like it takes you away. Also, um, Stephen Lynch, who is a musical comedian, but, um, all, like only does like albums basically. Um, and obviously live performances, but it's like, you know, he records his, his music. They're like, it's like fucking rock basically, but it's comedy. Um, the the two albums i would recommend from him are um i think it's craig machine i want to say is the name of it and um uh the other one is uh three balloons and obviously his ones before that were like fucking iconic like he has a great um one that was uh recorded called live at the el rey with some of his older stuff but uh yeah love me some stephen lynch and um other albums so oh um Jason Mraz has an album called We Sing, We Dance, We Steal Things. And um, Jason Mraz puts out the kind of music that's sort of like, in my opinion, like, or at least for me, like one of the things I love about music is that it affects different people differently. And so like my, you know, top fives for this is, is going to be different from everyone else. And, you know, like people are doing this lately where they're fucking the tag all of your friends and their mother and share your favorite music. And like I'm seeing all the threads of like people doing like their favorite, like, a lot of them is like hip hop and old school, but there's some good like obscure shit on there too. Um, 
I mean, for me, like Jason Mraz puts out music that kind of uh, is hopeful and sort of also speaks to um, just the the deeper, I don't know, humanity of of the world. Um, but that's the that's the um, that's the album that has "I'm Yours." It also has um, "Beautiful Mess." That I talked about as being one of my favorite songs of all time. It also has details in the fabric. Um, just, just some great music on that. He also did an album recently, which I've only heard parts of. I think it's called Love is a Four-Letter Word. Oh, it's fucking great. Although he did, he put this out, this video for that uh, album with recording with this other band. Um, I think it was like a, a two, two, um, a female group that was like just a duo um with those two girls and they were putting out this video and he starts this video and this is like jason Mars is one of my favorite artists and he like went to the school that i went to as well but obviously before me but like sometimes he's a fucking douche and like he was like i was thinking about the word love or i was thinking about the f word and how it can be so versatile like you say fucking a or uh like it can be a verb, right? Or it can be an adjective. And I was thinking about love and how that could be. So I'm going to replace, for now on, I'm going to replace love with the four-letter word. And the girls are going to be like, love, yeah. Or like, I'm love and happy right now. Or like they started just say, saying love instead of fuck and fucking. And I was like, stop what you're doing. Stop it. I can't support this. Um, so yeah, there's my um, albums for Dismal Future. Probably not what you meant, but um, that's sort of... Uh, Oh, Pink Floyd, The Wall as well. Um, fucking Dark Side of the Moon. Like that kind of fucking dystopian sound is probably what you meant. <laughs> so I'll add those to the list. Um, top five movies based on Shakespeare. Now, this is a fucking interesting question because it can be open to interpretation. And I'm going to do both interpretations, actually, because there's a lot. So I'm gonna, this one I'm going to do more than five. Um, and these are in no particular order. But So Shakespeare... Uh, you may not know has influenced a lot of other like stories uh, that they use the plot, but it's not it's not the words and it's not the character names, um, but the the plot and the characters like the archetypes are directly from Shakespeare. Um, so first of all, ten things I hate about you is uh, uh, Taming of the Shrew. It's basically an allegory or an adaptation of Taming of the Shrew, and that's my favorite Shakespeare favorite comedy of his anyway and uh, that's a great fucking movie uh allison janney underrated performance by heath ledger people always say with the joker but he, one of his other great performances um also she's the man was based on 12th night and that was a fucking hilarious hilarious movie with um i said hilarious because i was thinking hilarious ass but that doesn't really sound right um hilarious movie with amanda Bynes. uh also I mean, I feel like everyone knows this by now, but like The Lion King was based on Hamlet. Um, so there's that. And um, oh, what's the fucking other one? Uh, oh, there was this, there was a movie with uh, George Clooney and uh, Ryan Gosling. There was like a political thriller and it was based on Julius Caesar and it was fucking good. And I forgot the I forgot the name of it because I'm an ass and I didn't look it up before I started recording. Uh, but uh, other than that, my favorite like Shakespearean like film adaptations that they just do the exactly the words and the characters and everything. Um, people always talk about the Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet, and that's pretty good. But I also sometimes hate Shakespeare being set in a modern scene because it's it's good enough that it can be done on its own without a gimmick. 
I mean, it's, it's one of those like good things and bad things, right? Because it proves that Shakespeare is timeless and, that, and it can be done in any setting and people will still get it. Um, but it also is like, come on, what the fuck? Just do the words and, and set it in whatever time. Uh, so um, there's that. Uh, but also the Zaffirelli Romeo and Juliet from like 68 or 69. Ironically, the main character of like if you, the, the guy that played Romeo, if you look on the poster, he kind of looks like a young Zac Efron, but it was from, from the sixties. <laughs> um, so there's that. And, um, uh, the Kenneth Brana Henry five is, is absolutely the, the best. And, uh, if you, um, uh, if you listen to, I think, episode 22 of this podcast, it's entitled Come Thou No More for Ransom. It's basically um, inspired by, I, I did, like, I read a, a monologue from Henry V Bait that was very much like I was channeling Kenneth Branagh in that. And uh, I'm a total nerd for that, so that's love that for me. Uh, oh, also, I forgot to mention in the um, other sort of allegory segment, My Own Private Idaho with Keanu Reeves and River Phoenix based on, I want to say Henry the fourth part one. Oh my God. Such a fucking great movie. And, um, yeah, yeah. Really good movie. Um, Julie Taymor did also a good, um, Titus Andronicus with, uh, Anthony Hopkins. Oh, and this is like honorable mention cause I actually haven't seen all of it, but I've seen parts and it's fucking weird as fuck. So if you like Macbeth, um, which is one of his best dramas, there was a, actually I can mention this twice because actually the, the Royal Shakespeare Company did a version of it with um, Ian McKellen and Judy Dench. That I have seen all. Fucking brilliant. The best performance of, of either of those roles ever in all time. Um, and it's so weird because like this, uh, this is why Judy Dench is one of the best actresses of all time because like the character of Lady Macbeth should just like exude sex and just be like that sort of commanding presence. If you look at Ginger Jens, that's fucking not her at all. But you watch her in that and you're like, oh my God, she's nailing this. How is this possible? Like, I'm kind of turned on. It's weird. Judy Dench, she's old. But fucking, fucking A, that's the best um, Macbeth there is of all time. But also, there was a weird indie movie. Uh, it came out in like 01, I think, called Scotland PA. And it was basically Macbeth set in a fast food restaurant. And Christopher Walken plays Macduff, I think. He's in it anyway. And uh, Kevin Corgan is in it as well. Like fucking random cameos. And it's weird as fuck, but they get it. And it's so it's so weird. And I want to I want to finish that. Probably will during this lockdown. Um, all right. Junk food for the last night on Earth. Ooh. Uh, fucking A. So I don't know if this counts as junk food, but sometimes I feel guilty when I have it. But I also love having it because it's sort of healthy as well. Guacamole. Uh, I love guacamole and um, I, I cannot go without having that, like especially in my last night. And for the culture, I'll give you all real quick my guac recipe, which fucking kills at parties and everyone loves it and they always want the recipe. So the proportions I use or portions or whatever the fuck you want to call it, um, I mean, it's definitely portions, but whatever the quantities of the uh, ingredients are meant for two people. So just always double it if there's more and just kind of do it that way. But um, I start with four avocados, minimum two limes. That's one of the things that people fail at when they're making uh, guac is that they don't put enough lime. It has to like be pooling in it. So if they're really juicy, two is enough. If they're not, so you might need three. Um, and then like a handful of garlic. That's it. Sometimes a little bit of diced red onion if I'm feeling saucy. Usually I'm not though. That takes too much fucking time. And the kicker, fresh cracked pepper. If you make guac and you don't season it with salt and pepper, 
I don't like salt. My wife was like, you gotta put salt. And I'm like, okay, I'll put salt. But like at least the pepper, the fresh cracked pepper, essential, it's vital. You gotta put that. So so there's that. Now, junk food that's for real junk food, nachos, essential. Um fucking tater tots, essential. Chili cheese fries, essential. Cheese fries in general, essential. Um Fucking Oreos, essential. Like we were, we were so mad at ourselves, Kate and I, for like being on lockdown without Oreos. And I'm like, I need it. And um, we were at the store and just forgot it again. Like we forgot it again. So Oreos, um, jalapeno poppers are essential. Fucking potato skins with all the fixins are essential. Ooh. Um, this reminds me of a stoner creation I, I made once. I may have talked about it on this podcast, but um, fuck it, I'm doing it again. One time I got so fucking high, I made Leo's probably listening to this laughing. Um, I got so fucking high, I made a like cereal, but it was like so. There's a granola that used to be a Target. I think it was the Archer Farms brand. It's their own brand. It's called Chocolate Chunk Hazelnut Biscotti. The goat of granolas, the best. Never before or since has there been a better granola, and, and and I don't think they make it anymore, which is like even more iconic because now it, it can never be touched because they don't make it anymore and it's like exclusive. Chocolate chunk hazelnut biscotti granola with I fucking added peanut butter, obviously. I added um I may have added blueberry muffin tops. I'm not sure. I don't think so though. But if you haven't, if you don't know what that means, blueberry muffin tops. It's not actual muffin tops. It was just, it's another cereal, which. <laughs> It's like cinnamon toast crunch, but instead of tasting cinnamon toast crunch, it tastes like a blueberry muffin. Um, but it's like literally the same like swirls and the same um, shape. And I don't even think it's made by fucking um, the same company, General Mills or whatever. So I don't know if they got sued or whatever, but it's good as fuck. Uh, either way, if I didn't if I didn't make it in this one, I did a separate one where I where I made blueberry muffin tops mixed with peanut butter and cream cheese frosting. Oh, because I eat heart disease sometimes. Uh, but this time, back to the original. So chocolate chunk, hazelnut biscotti granola, peanut butter, and then I used turtle Chex Mix. So you don't know what's in that. Look that up. It's that there's like caramel pieces and like chocolate and other fucking nasty bullshit in there. And uh, I have vanilla almond milk. Uh, maybe something else that I'm forgetting. I might have added some cinnamon in that bitch. But uh, oh, oh, it was so fucking good. It was the best thing I've ever um, created in terms of like flavor. Um, yeah. That's a fucking, that's essential. And um, peanut butter filled pretzels are essential. Anything Reese's are essential. Reese's sticks are essential. The fucking wafer ones. Everyone needs to know about those. Um, those are essential. Oh, dude. You give me fucking hungry. Junk food. My God. Ooh, dude. I don't know if this qualifies, but I got to tell somebody because I can't have this anymore because I cut out dairy again. Uh, tar. Uh, I always want to say Target, Trader Joe's. If you don't have a Trader Joe's near you, fix that. Call your city, get them to put one in. I don't care what it takes, fix that or move. Because if you don't live near Trader Joe's, you probably live somewhere fucking. Uh, sorry, I don't want to like. Well, obviously, I don't have it in Canada. So if you're living in Canada, you're not gonna have some. Sorry, you know that's fine. But like, maybe have someone mail this to you in a safe way. They make a cheese called unexpected cheddar, which is fucking unreal it's the best cheese i've ever had in my life and i've had a lot of fucking cheese dude my best friend andrew and i 
Um, by the way, Leo and Andrew are both my best friends, and you can't pick. And I also have Thomas and Kevin, we're all best friends, and you can't pick. So they're all, all just the best. So we were in the Grilled Cheese Invitational in uh, LA, which is like a cooking competition, and we we're actually on Rob Deerdick's show, Fantasy Factory, because he competed that year, and we were right behind him at our station. Like, just a cameo. We obviously weren't, like, fucking featured or whatever, but, like, I'm on that show. You can see me. I'm, like, fucking there with a dumbass chef's hat. Um, but we made the grilled cheeses, and we didn't use unexpected cheddar, but I'm just saying I've had a lot of fucking cheese because we did. We used, like, Portuguese cheese for that. We used brie. We used all, all this other gruyere, all this other bullshit. I've had a lot of cheese. Unexpected cheddar, the goat. And it's, like, what it is is aged white cheddar, like, aged, aged cheddar, with bits of crumbled parmesan in it oh, oh oh it's so good so good so get that i don't know if that causes causes junk food and what we love doing as well um um which i can't have anymore but my wife will have like um usually like kettle kettle potato chips kettle cooked chips and um and the, the unexpected cheddar and, and put them that way just snack like that like instead of you know cheese and crackers like cheese and chips Fucking great. Oh, you know what else is essential? Fritos scoops. Uh, I love I love having scoops with like hummus. Um, or, but also like salsa or whatever. I just love dipping with scoops. They're the best. I mean, actually, what's even better is Trader Joe's has their own brand, which they make. They're like, they're called like corn dippers or whatever the fuck, but it's scoops, you know, but they're better and they're organic, so it's better. Uh, wow. So if we divide it up, Let's see. I'm sick as fuck. Binge three, four, five. All those things. I probably did 25 total things. Even though I didn't do five for each one, I probably did 25 total things. So uh, that qualifies. Potato. So then he wants me to list my favorite post-apocalyptic movie. Ooh, this is hard. Um, post-apocalyptic movie. Um. I'm, I'm torn between saying, like, uh, everyone listening wants me to say Mad Max. Uh, never seen it. Sorry about it. And you're probably getting mad at me. You're probably like, oh, fix it. You gotta go right now. Maybe. Um, but uh, as Tom Hardy said, mm -mm, that's bait. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he said, give a lot. I should probably watch the fucking movie. Um, and it's not even the original, but um, actually. Um, favorite post-apocalyptic movie. Oh, there's so, I feel like it's on the tip of my tongue. Like there's a, there's a lot of ones that I love and I just haven't, um, quite seen yet or I, or I can't remember. Not quite seen yet. What the fuck am I doing? See this, this question is boggling my brain. Always do this to me, sweet potato. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say Hunger Games, even though it's like, so like not, so it's so mainstream to say that um and i don't know if that qualifies as post-apocalyptic but i love hunger games and i was also torn between saying the fucking the japanese version which apparently like started called battle royale um or whatever but uh those movies are good i don't care what anyone says favorite terrifying read okay here's the thing dude um when i was a kid i read goosebumps and if you read them now they might not be terrifying. I, I don't know if I ever have... have well, I, I do know for a fact I haven't. But, dude, that shit was frightening as a kid. Like, those books are... Like, R.L. Stein, they, they, they hold... A, they, you can't hold a candle. That, like, they're... 
they're on their own in their own category because that shit is just everything. Um, but I, I would also say, uh, obviously Stephen King novels are up there, but I haven't read many of the novels, just seen the movies. So I was sort of actually just assuming that the books are terrifying as well. Um, great question. Oh, there's more. I forgot. So favorite uplifting music. So actually, um, like I mentioned that, that song I opened the podcast with the Sandy Tom song, I, uh, I sing that to like, like cheer me up all the time. Uh, I also listen to, um, like a lot of Broadway, like I mentioned before, like ha Hamilton and the Heights, like a lot of like those certain songs, like they know how to evoke emotion. And like, that's what, uh, the music is about. And so, you know, if you go through the whole like story of it, it, it is uplifting usually. And, um, I also love like, um, Josh Groban songs, uh, obviously like raise me up. And it's so like fucking like taking the literal definition, like uplifting, but for real, it does lift me up. Like when I'm singing it, I'm always like, when I stand on mountains, I'm like, yeah, dude. Favorite viral video. Oh my God. I have to talk about this. And there's a lot. Like I used to fucking be really into like watching those like viral videos. Let me tell you something. I keep always coming back to this and over a period of the number of years, it always makes me laugh. There's a fucking... If you just search... And it's not even necessarily the, the title of the video, I don't think. But just type into YouTube. Democracy Manifest. And if you've seen this video, you know what I'm fucking talking about. It's a video of this old guy. It sounds like they're in Australia or something. But his dialect is British. So I don't know what the fuck. Maybe just the cop was Australian that was arresting him or whatever. Um... But it starts out the video, um, and uh, he is like getting arrested, and somehow talking to the camera like it's a special, and he's like, "Gentlemen, this is democracy manifest," and then they're fucking pushing him in the cop car, and he's like, "Get your hands off my penis!" <laughs> you have to watch it, dude. If you haven't seen this, oh, it's the best. And he's like, "What are the charges? Eating a meal." A succulent Chinese meal. And it's just so funny. And it's one of those... It's one of those... It's one of those videos that's so, like, embedded in your, uh, like, life um, that... Or, or mine, anyway, that it became, like, so, something I would say, like, like, well, this is democracy manifest, like, if something fucking shitty was going on in the world. But, like, also... Uh, <laughs> I was planning um, Andrew, my best friend's bachelor party, uh, with our other best friend, Kevin. He was the best man, but he was like, you know, I can't do this alone. You got to help plan it. I was actually the reverend. I, I, I was the officiant that um, ordained their marriage. I'm ordained minister, if you guys didn't know. And um, but we planned it together, and we were doing different uh, points. And... Um, <laughs> One of the things we were writing, we put like general debauchery or whatever, and then we put democracy manifest. <laughs> and I was like, you know what it means, bro. I got, I, I got, I to play right now. Hold on, let me find it. Democracy manifest. Okay, here I'm gonna, I'm gonna play. If you haven't seen this video, you have to hear it. And I don't give a fuck. It's only a minute. It's only a minute nine seconds long. 
but also watch the video because like some of the shit that you see is funny, but mostly it's just the words. second video so the, when you type in democracy manifest in youtube it's the first one that pops up like i said a minute and nine seconds but the second one is two minutes and 26 seconds and it says democracy manifest guy speaks and it's like an interview with him and i'm like i need to watch that but i'm not gonna play it here obviously oh my god dude go out and watch that fucking video i feel like i was gonna say something else oh yes honorable mention the there's a there's a uh, a duo, comedic duo online uh, called Britannic, uh, spelled B R I T A N I C K, because their names are Brian and Nick, and um, they're like a they they met at NYU I believe, uh, or maybe they went to college in Georgia. I think that's actually true. They they met at college anyway, uh, and um, they do like sketch comedy videos kind of but like they, they're creative it's like not normal sketch comedy it's like their own kind of brand of humor and it's like weird videos and it there were they're so fucking funny and um my friends and i used to like always follow like when a new one would come out and uh we would have like our favorites that we would show people like no you gotta watch these videos here and that's the thing we used to do in college was just like sit and like look at these videos and my favorite one and because it, it's like also like they went to fucking great lengths to make it and like uh well there's one of them that's technically considered a short film called eagles are turning people into horses which is fucking crazy and it was brian's thesis film in in college but uh it's like a 15 minute felt like little like short film but the best one that i laugh my ass off every time is called on the house this guy makes like a fake um cooking show to basically um, get around the like restraining order that his ex girlfriend <laughs> put on him. Like they, it's like it's like a fake like restaurant review show, not a cooking show, a restaurant review, review show. Because she's like a waitress at this restaurant, and they go like, they play the music like, dur, 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 like fucking like you're in a, on a review show or whatever, and they go in this restaurant and. He's like, Nick, I was straining against you. Why are you here? And he goes, no, 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 no. It clearly states if I have to be within 50 feet of you for a job, like this obviously real cooking show, uh, then it's uh, legit. And I fucking laugh my ass off at this video. He one time gets so drunk and he um, is like, ha has a 
he's like reading a poem. He's like, Brian, listen, I wrote a poem. Could you give me some notes? And he's like, this isn't a poem. You just peed on a paper plate. And at the end of the video, they, they go to her house and he's like, I peed you a poem. Oh my God, it's so funny. You have to watch the video. So look up Britannic on the house. Uh, so those are uh, it for bests. Now worst. Worst, worst field trip. Uh, this is hard. So I, I actually like legitimately loved uh, all the field trips we went on in school and we didn't go to many. But um, that it made me think of the worst like hiking experience I ever had, which made me have sort of an aversion to hiking. Uh, so my dad has this friend and they uh, grew up together. He apparently saved my dad's life when they were young. Like they were all at a camping trip and um, my dad went to go pee and he was apparently going to walk off the cliff because it was like dark and he was like sleepy. But the the friend saw him and was like, no, and sa saved his life. My dad says he probably would have been fine, but like they always say like, oh, he saved my life. Um, but um, they, we would always do things like his daughter and I were born like within months of each other, I think. And so they would all, we'd always do like stuff together sort of as like a family kind of or, or whatever. And we went hiking in Red Rock in Vegas. Or it might have not been exactly Red Rock, but near there. But you know, those are the kind of places you hike when you're in Vegas. And they he apparently found this trail and he knew, he knew everything. We fucking got lost in this piece of shit. Like we got lost and we're in the summertime in Vegas. And it was like uh, triple de degrees. My fucking sister, who I was like 11 or 12 at the time. So my sister must have been like nine. She got like sunstroke or heat stroke or whatever. And my dad stayed with her while the fucking friend went to go find help. And me and his daughter were meant to like go to the the road. Like we we finally found the road, but we didn't find the, like it was a trailer supposed to get us back to where we started, right? We fucking got lost. And so we, we got to the road and we were supposed to fucking hitchhike or like not literally hitchhike, but like, um, you know, like signal for help. So I literally was like, the only thing I noticed was like put out your thumb or whatever. And I, I was like sitting there as a fucking 11 year old fucking, I don't know who's going to pull over. Maybe they're fucking waiting for someone. And they're going to fucking, I don't know. They see two little kids. Luckily some like not Rangers, but like people that are uh, in the area supposed to like, they found us over. They got us fucking water and they saved us, but it was fucking scary. And maybe not want to go hiking ever again. I've been hiking since, but like, I always hate it. Um, so yeah, worst live event. Um, that's hard to say. Uh, I'll tell you the worst live fight I've ever watched. Uh, I went to Bellator 170 at the Forum in Inglewood, which is the best venue for fights that I've ever been in, uh, which includes MSG, which is a dump. Uh, but um, the main card had Hollick Gracie versus, versus Kato, uh, this French-Japanese guy who knocked out um, Joe Schilling. And it was the worst fight. If you think Ngannou Lewis was bad, this was like Ngannou Lewis, but with people you've never heard of. I mean, obviously, Hollick Gracie is like part of the legendary Gracie family, and he like beat Sakuraba, and it's like, ooh, Hollick Gracie. But it was a fucking stinker, dude. There was some some parts to love. Like, they both were obviously like afraid of each other's weapons. Like, Kato didn't want to risk getting too close and get taken down. Uh, and then Hollick didn't want to get too close because he didn't want to get caught with those bombs that knocked out Joe Schilling. But they just fucking were like playing pitter-patter for like 15 minutes. And I was like, bro. And, then, and what made it worse is I had like 
uh, floor seats. I was like right there. And I was like, dude, do fucking something. I felt like a Just Bleed fan, you know? Horrible, horrible fight. Uh, but as far as worst live event, um, I'm usually pretty good at picking live events to go to. And just in general, like, I feel like this is probably a general question, like not just fights, like any concert or stuff. Like I pick stuff that I like going to. I don't, I don't know what else to like say. Uh, however, that's reminded me of a story that has nothing to do with anything, but I like telling stories on the podcast. One time my friend Andrew and I went to this bar in Echo Park. And if you're in LA, you know, this is a fucking like hipster, but also kind of shady area. And it was, it was a bar called the bootleg uh, or the bootlegger or something like that. And they have like shows there, like little, cause they have like a little stage. And so they have like little shows. My fit, one of my favorite like bluegrass artists was there, William Elliot Whitmore, which, by the way, if the albums I just realized uh, for Dismal Future, his album Field Songs, fucking great. He records some new songs, but also some old songs. But he recorded literally a lot, like, live in a field. And you can hear, like, the grass swaying and stuff. Oh, it's fucking badass, dude. It's perfect. And it's, he's got, like, a... Um, he's got, like, a badass voice. Um, and it was just literally, like, him. Sometimes he plays with a full band, but this show was so limited. He literally played it with a kick drum that he borrowed from his opener. And he's just kicking, you know, with and, and his guitar. And he played this fucking badass set. And we get to drink with him afterward. Um, and then there were these, there were these girls there. And um, Andrew and I, at that point, were trying to, like, think we could, like, fucking pick up girls in bars. And I um, put on, like, a Cockney sort of English dialect because my... Uh, like RP, RP is not the kind of voice, like a dialect you use to like pick up chicks. It's like they want cocky, they want that little like dirty kind of fucking whatever. And um, I had these girls convinced, but it never went anywhere. We had to go home, and they hated us. So uh, that uh, was depressing at the end. Worst kiss. Uh, I'm not gonna name names, but I did this girl in high school, and um, one time we like ditched class to like um, make out in the stairwell of our high school. And it was so bad, and I was like, open, I had my eyes open for the whole thing. You know, you close your eyes when you kiss, obviously, it, uh, like for the most part, anyway. I, I my eyes open, and I was like, bro, what the fuck is going? On? But it was like one of those things that you can't stop. I, I I didn't have the like, I don't know, intestinal fortitude to be like, or I don't know, presence of mind maybe is the right word. Like I didn't have the right sense to be like, hey, this isn't doing it for me actually like I, we were just like making it on the hallway and i was like yep not going anywhere with this chick oh that was weird to tell on the podcast okay thanks for those questions sweet potato he's a fucking legend guys go follow raging sweet potato your twitter experience will be better and another account you should follow that will make your twitter experience better is fuck yugi at f-u-u-c-k-y-u-g-i this guy's the fucking man and his name, actually, this is where it's just a pizza emoji and then the, the shit emoji. Because pizza shit. Which is funny as fuck. And he says, when are you going to get an Xbox and have wars with us? Bro, I want to so bad. And here's the thing. I'm always like a platform or two behind, at least. Uh, like, I got an Xbox late in the game. Like, when it first came out in, like, the 2000s. Um, but I still... I was behind, but the 360 hadn't come out yet. But I got it like probably like a month or two before the 360 came out. Um, and 
I waited a long time to get the 360 and I didn't get the 360 until um, my first Black Friday with Kate in 2012. Like I fucking was sold out getting the 360 and we still have that and I, I play it sometimes but I haven't hooked it up to my new TV since we moved. Uh, I actually don't think because it was in storage when we first moved to New Jersey and I just, just we've got our own place. I haven't um, like busted it out and hooked it up and I need to uh, but also like by now Xbox One has been out for a long time and none of the fucking good games that people are playing with each other online are fucking on the 360 and I'm like dude I'm fuck, I'm fucking up here. So I need to get that. I also, um, this like makes me sad because I also like, I follow a, a bunch of gamers that are on my Twitter and there's a fucking civil war going on between Xbox players and PS4 players. And I don't know who's right. Uh, and they both do the whole thing, which I, is kind of funny, which is like, like pretending that the other people are like wrong for getting that one. Like, Oh, like, Oh, I can't play with you because you have the wrong system or like, Oh, like, Oh, you're a fucking pussy. If you have the other one or whatever. Um, or people are fucking quote tweeting that racist fucking fake Donald Trump account. Um, that's saying like, Oh, people with, uh, Android, you get deported or whatever. First of all, fuck you. I have an Android. So there's that. But, um, he, he had another one that was like, Oh, Xbox, uh, people are the best or whatever he said. And people keep quoting that. And I'm like, get this off my timeline. I hate it. But yeah, eventually I will get an Xbox. And if I do get an Xbox One, you are the first motherfucker I'm going to add. Along with Blurry Derp and Charming Kitten. Because I love seeing y'all uh, play with each other online. And uh, my boy Buddy plays on PS4. I don't think he has an Xbox. Which makes me sad. Because like, I want to get an Xbox because I've stayed with Xbox. But then I look at PS4 and I'm like, they're doing some stuff right actually. Like, why don't fucking... This is the problem. Like, shit needs to be more cross-platform. That's the problem. Now I'm going to get a bunch of messages. Like, actually, there's certain games that aren't cross-platform because that... And I'm like, okay, stop. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but definitely send me some tips. All right, this next question is from Phil the MMA Dude, co-host of the Split Decision Podcast. Shout out to Phil. Uh, I enjoy his tweets and I enjoy his show. Uh, it's really helped me get through the week sometimes to be honest and um that's what kind of what his question is about he says for myself personally working out specifically muay thai and bjj workouts have helped me cope with anxiety for many years i'm starting to go absolutely nuts staying in for so long any advice on how to do great mma related workout in the confines of a small home um great great question phil uh, this can um help a lot of people um this, the fucking drunk guy from the last episode was like, do a Tony Fergan, throw your furniture around. Uh, bro. Uh, <laughs> but that was kind of funny. Uh, seriously, no, this is a great question. This goes back to what I was saying about the whole Sunshine Fights thing that people should do because of Sunshine songs and whatever. Not my promotion, obviously. Um, but Louis Smoka streaming his workouts and like a lot of fighters are, are trying to do that. They're going on Instagram Live. Serena Southpaw uh, de Jesus is uh uh the outlaw but it's at serena southpaw um on twitter and instagram she fucking is streaming her like like hitting pads with her coach on on instagram and doing different combos and things like that which are great and um i don't know whether you have the capability i, I try to find that there's some there's some diy videos about how to make your own focus mitts and things you can do so i don't know if you have um someone that can hold the mitts for you otherwise um Get some fucking pillows and tape them to your wall, and that's your fucking heavy bag, and do that shit. That would be amazing, actually. Um, 
But also, I sent I sent Phil. Uh, we've been talking since he sent this question because I think it's important, and I want uh, I want to help him out. And uh, anyone else who wants those kind of workouts, I sent him a bunch of DIY videos on how to make a grappling dummy to like drill BJJ, um, and a lot of them are pretty easy. It's something that I might do um, for fun because that sounds like a fun DIY project. So yeah, do that, and also um, also follow Gracie University um or gracie gracie breakdown on youtube they have a lot of uh, drills and stuff that you can do at home that they they, they post on their youtube all the time and i'm sure that they're going to be fucking quarantining in style henry gracie is one of the brightest minds in jujitsu they he like eats sleeps and breathes jujitsu he just is always like staying up with like current trends or whatever and is like so like entrepreneurial like minded uh he's in my like he's the goat of that kind of thing Man, great question. Go follow Phil as well. Um, next question from Cyrus King. The man also need to go follow Cyrus King. And obviously follow anyone in the forum. I always, I feel like I get super excited about certain people and that sort of discounts the other people. But um, I want to, I want everyone to follow everyone because this podcast is about building a community. Um, Cyrus says, real question. If there is not another UFC fight this year, do you think there will still be an MMA Twitter or will we disband? Um no, absolutely not. Because first of all, what I've noticed from MMA Twitter is that the sense of community is stronger than any other like subsection of Twitter. Like if you find like film Twitter or NBA Twitter, like it's all just about like them speculating on whatever is going to happen and whatever thing, and they like to argue or whatever. And yeah, we do that too. But MMA Twitter, especially with like you know, no turn on stone, getting the follow trains and getting everyone connected and everyone, a lot of like having a lot of mutuals, you know, more than anything, people want to just talk about non-MMA shit sometimes. Uh, like I see a lot of posts from people that have nothing to do with MMA and you'd think that like those wouldn't get a lot of interaction, but sometimes those get a lot of interaction and, um, it's, it's, it's crazy. So like, I absolutely think even if there's another UFC fight or like major organization, um, has a fight this year in MMA uh, that there's no chance of it disbanding like we got to stick together like even if there's no like I said I'm going to be doing this podcast I'm going to be doing this podcast with no fights rain or shine bro got to do it got to do it for my own sanity my own health and uh, in hopes of providing entertainment for anyone on quarantine as a distraction you know so it's my duty all right, this next question is from Big Daddy Tittles <laughs> at Mr. Underscore Tittlewinks. Love that. Love that name. Love Kenneth. Go follow Kenneth. Um, it says, so last night, Mrs. Tittlewinks made me my favorite stoner snack, Rice Krispie Treats. What's your favorite munch to eat when you're high? Oh, dude, I already kind of answered this one with the fucking, with Sweet Potatoes question. But um, this is actually, I can answer this differently. So, um now when I get high, I sort of have to anticipate the munchies because if I don't, my diet will be shit and I'm trying to be healthy because I, I worry a lot about what I put on my body. And, and sometimes you got to have a cheat day. Sometimes you got to say, fuck it. And like, I'm not perfect and I don't always eat like the healthiest things. Like that's sort of a misconception of vegans and vegetarians that people think that we're always just like eating trees or whatever the fuck. Like, no, we eat junk food just as much as everyone else sometimes. And sometimes you got to do it. Um, but for me, like, 
I have to make sure I only ha like I either have something that's sort of a compromise like guac, where which is like yeah, it's kind of fatty or whatever, but it's also like the fresh garlic and the lime is really good for you. And avocado is actually the most like nutrient rich food on the planet. So even though it's kind of fucking like they have a lot of fat. It's also really healthy. So I have to compromise by doing that, like having guac ready or like I have to be, what I'm saying is I have to be ready with like healthy munchies. If not, I'll just raid the cabinet and fucking eat anything in sight. Um, but uh, that and like the scoops I mentioned with, with hummus, uh, I eat that a lot. And um, I usually will like, if I have vegan cheese in the house or when I was back on the, I, I flip-flops, I'm a bad vegan, like, I flip-flops sometimes I eat cheese, uh, which is, like, terrible for you, but I, I always do it, and, I, and then I remember that I shouldn't, and it's terrible, um, and that's where I'm on now, um, but I fucking, um, yeah, I got distracted, um, my favorite munchie to eat when I'm high. Dude, see, this is the, this is the problem. Um, oh, cheese. Uh, like I was saying, I just throw cheese on everything and I'll make fucking um, potato nachos. Like a fucking slice of potatoes thin and fucking make potato nachos. I'll put goddamn... This is another thing actually that is like a compromise thing that I'll make sometimes, but the, you have to make it in advance. So it's like I rarely do this, but it's something my dad used to make. It's called it's called sesame crunch, and you basically take sesame seeds, uh, and you mix it with peanut butter and honey, and then you cool it in the fridge, and they become like bars. And it's just like healthy, but it's like so fucking good. Um, yeah, that's probably it. Oh, and I also like obviously like ice cream is a big thing. But vegan ice cream, and even when I'm eating dairy, when I'm like bad and I'm eating dairy, I still eat vegan ice cream because it's, it's way better actually if you find the right brands. Like cashew ice cream is fucking better than any ice cream I've ever tasted, so it's the best. Uh, this isn't a question, but uh, Pixie Dust twenty six chimed in and says, um, "I turned to mind altering substances for the first time in years." That's it. It's all I've got, which caused a reply from the aforementioned blurry derp to squirrel this is to speed up elijah wood and stole his seat at the opening premiere of turner hearts okay i told so i told this guy's story and i'm gonna tell him the podcast um he 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 said turner which is a joke but and it wasn't the premiere actually so there's a theater in hollywood um called Arclight and it's like a famous theater and they it's on the on the side of it and, and if you're on Sunset Boulevard it says uh it's like Cinerama Dome they have they have multiple locations but the, the one in Hollywood is the famous one kind of uh the Arclight Theater and um it's now become a thing more recently where you can buy tickets online and, and and you pick your seat and and seats are assigned or whatever but that didn't used to be a thing in in movie theaters you would just buy a ticket and then it's a free for all and you sit your place but Arclight always had assigned seating um and my family, whenever we're um, watching a movie, we always sit um, usually on the left. Um, and then when, I, now when I'm watching a movie with my wife, we're usually on the right. But it doesn't matter. We have to, have to be on the end because then you can leave easily and don't have to fucking step over anybody to get to your goddamn seat. As long as I have to step over you, but that's, you know, that's whatever. And you can you can deal with it. But I don't want to fucking have, put my ass in somebody's face to get to my seat. It's so dumb. Um but we were at the Arclight watching I Love You, Man, and uh, 
my point is like a lot of people want to sit in the middle and I'm like, bro, it's a big ass flat screen. The view is the same no matter what. Sit on the end, idiot. Um, so I was with a friend and we, we saw another friend of ours. And we're like, hey, come sit with us. Like we didn't plan. I was like, hey, come sit with us. And I was with my dad too um, because he was visiting me. And I was like, hey, come sit with us. And then the fucking, the, the previews are about to start and there's nobody. And in the row we're in, um, the friend that had joined us is like, why don't we just move to the center? There's no people. And I was like, bro, dumb. But I, but I want to like not be, uh, fight about it. And I, one of my pet peeves, I fucking hate when people talk during movies. Like sometimes I whisper if I want to tell my wife something like, oh, that was the guy in the thing. But like, don't fucking talk out loud. It's the worst. And so I was like, oh, we got to go to the center. Fine. That's fine. The, the, the movie about to start and, and Elijah Wood and Dominic Monaghan, who, if you don't know, was, was, I think it was Mary or Pippin, one of the, one of the twin, or I guess they're cousins, whatever the, the, the hobbits, not the one that says like, we've had one breakfast. Yeah. What about second breakfast? Like it was the other one. Um, Dominic Monaghan, they, and, and at that time he was filming lost. He was in lost. Um, they come and they're like looking at their, their ticket and it says your seat on it and looking down and kind of not wanting to say anything. And they're like, they're on your seats. And my dad looks up and he's like, oh, are we in your seats? And he's like, yeah, you're in our seats. And, I, and I was like, oh, we're sorry. And then we like, um, we scooted past him. And actually at that time we couldn't, we didn't know who it was, but, uh, my dad later on was like, that was Elijah Wood. And I was like, oh shit. Cause it was dark. And I was like, that was fucking Elijah Wood. And, uh, my fucking friend, John, who's a fanboy, was like so obsessed with Lost at the time. And he was like, I want to shake Dominic Monaghan's hand. And we waited for so long. It was so dumb. I was like, bro, you've been in Hollywood for a few months now. It's, it's commonplace. All right. This next question is from my man, Genghis. Um, he says, Sativa or Indica? Uh, usually Sativa. A lot of people, they don't want indica because they want to fall asleep. They want to just like whatever. But sativa is where it's at. It's a fucking wicked experience. But usually what I'll go for, because sometimes I do want the indica thing, uh, I will um, I will go for a hybrid. So both. And then he also asked, uh, and I'm breaking the rule. By the way, I know I, I said uh, one per question from now on, but I'm breaking the rule for this uh, for this podcast. And, and while the, the there's no fights because I want to fill up space and I want to, I want us all to kind of distract each other. So uh, ask me whatever you want. But I still reserve the right to, to not uh, 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 read or answer some questions because some of it's going to be some weird fucked up shit that I don't want to answer. <laughs> so yeah, I still may pick. I still may be picky. But for, for now on, um, or for, for now, not for now on, but for now, we're going to open up that rule. Um, and he says, what's your favorite gluten-free meal substitute? Like what meal did you always love? And when you went gluten-free, you had to find a way and make it even better. Like I substitute cornflakes for breadcrumbs when I make bread chicken breasts. That's what he said. Um, interesting. So there's some things that are gluten-free that I like better, like muffins. Um, like, um, there's a brand, I forget which, which brand, but they make muffins that are like infused with like, with like veggies or whatever, but they're gluten-free because they're made with like oat flour and it's, they're so much better. Um, and they're like more like soft and moist and it's fucking bomb. And also this isn't better. Like, so like most, um, gluten-free pasta is not good and it's very hard to, to get the right consistency. It's either too al dente or it's too soft, but Trader Joe's makes a noodle that I love. Um, that's a gluten-free noodle made with, um, it's part brown rice, part lentil. 
and the combination is what makes it work. But I don't necessarily like it for pasta, like for making like uh, like Italian food. I love it for like making like lo mein or like a stir fry, uh, which my wife makes. And it's like bomb because those flavors actually are like perfect for what you want in a stir fry. And it's like it's better than regular noodles in that sense. So uh, I love that. Uh, oh, this is a question from MMA Mental. He says, what was the hardest punch you ever landed on someone? <sighs> so I don't, I'm not in the habit of like getting into fights and like hitting people, but this reminds me of uh, a time when I, uh, when I was 16, I, I trained martial arts for a bit. And one day our sensei wanted to like teach us boxing. And so we, uh, this is one, the one that we're, where Phil asked this on the podcast a long time ago and said that it was a fraud, but this is, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. Um, we were, um, we were, we were training boxing. And so I was like the biggest kid there. I was older by like a year or two. Um, and like when you're a kid, like even a year makes a difference usually in like size, like people grow really fast at the age. So I was at least a head taller than most of the people and I fucking outweighed everybody. Uh, except for one guy was, was, was my size, but he wasn't there that day. Although we would beat the fuck out of each other in sparring me and that guy. Um, but we were doing boxing and, um, so he basically just like didn't teach us much. He literally was just like, this is just for experience or whatever. Um, and so we put, we each had like headgear and gloves. Uh, they're probably 16 ounce gloves or maybe 14, probably 14 actually. And he, he wanted to kind of, you've heard the term like phone booth fighting. Like they talk about that sometimes. And that's a boxing term where like you look like you're in a phone booth, you keep in the thing. So we were on, we didn't do, we had like a boxing ring in the thing that we would use for sparring, but um, we would drill like um, and ducatas and stuff on the mats. And so we went on the mat, but they, we had them squared. It was like alternating colors, like blue and yellow. And so we were on one color square. It's like, okay, only stay in this square. You can only do that. And so they, because of you couldn't evade and stuff, they were all like afraid to face me. And like I was bigger and you couldn't go anywhere. And this one guy was like the, he he was actually, even though I was bigger, he was kind of stronger. He like was like a little bit buff. Even he he was scared at first, but um he would fucking he was tentative for like the first thirty seconds, and I was like throwing some jabs. He was slipping me. He lands, and then finally he woke up and like landed a big shot on my chest, and I just fucking instinct took in, and I threw a big hook. Did not come out. I'm not saying I fucking knocked anybody out, um, but. He wobbled for a second, and that's when I became like a pacifist, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And then we called it off, and then it was like, "No, what are you guys doing?" And I was like, "I can't, I can't." And then he was like, "No, no, I gotta sit out." And the guy sat out for the rest of the day, and that that made me like not want to fucking hit anybody anymore. Except for now, I want to, I want to beat the shit out of everybody. All right, he says. Next question, he says, "You're left with one song, one meal, and one person other than the misses, of course. What would you pick?" Um. I think he probably like because this is all in one tweet. I think he probably like scaled it down because of like character limit. Because it's kind of he was like if I had to only pick one, like Beyond Island or something like that. I don't know. Um, with one song, so if I could only listen to one song for the rest of my life, that's hard. It might be the one I open with. Like that that song is one of my favorite songs, um, and I, I I never get tired of listening to it. Uh, it's just it's just so great. Um, yeah, I might have to go with that one. One meal, uh, 
I mean, I should probably, if I'm going to fucking, if I want to live long, I should probably pick something healthy. But if I, if I think about like a, a life without nachos, it's a sad life. So I might have to pick nachos. Um, and then one person other than the missus, um, it would be, uh, this is hard. It'd probably be my friend Leo. Yeah. And then he also says, why don't you do an MMA quiz? You could put on a sheet and have point system or something. That's interesting. So actually, um, I've, I've done this before. I went on pure, the pure evil podcast and, um, that's more of like a, a YouTube channel as well. Like he has a lot of content that he puts out. Eddie shout, shout out to evil Eddie. And, um, we did a trivia challenge where I came up on top. Uh, it was sort of a turn, tournament style with other podcasters and I was on top. And then I had the, with the final with Rhino and, uh, we did an, another one where he did a jeopardy style and, uh, Rhino says he wins because uh, he was gifted the point. It should have been a draw because I answered the other question and I didn't I didn't qualify because it was a test, but I answered it correctly and I knew I knew the fucking answer and I I buzzed in and, it, and I was right. So it should have been a draw if we're being for real. Um, but uh, yeah, other parties, um and Mike from 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 the Wocast is going to do that. Uh, he did another one already with Lerone Murphy, so uh, and I want to be on that one. So I don't want to do something that's someone else is doing. Uh, I try to never do that, um, and also that would that would make me want to have guests. And uh, I I need to have guests on sometimes. I'm actually going to have one next week. Um, but um, if if you do that, then you have to keep doing it like often. And I don't know if I want to do that. So good question though. And that wraps up the forum. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to end it there because because I'm going to talk about the, the next, the next episode. So that brings us to the end of our show. But before I let you go, I want to give a little preview for next week of what we're going to talk about. So, um, I am very fortunate to know somebody, uh, who's in my circle who is, has recently been certified as an MMA ref uh, slash judge. I think in New Jersey, and, and we're going to clarify this when he's on, I think you have to be both or something like that. You get certified just to, just to be both. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm going to have him on because uh, I want to stick to being uh, MMA sort of themed. And um, I am often critical of refs on this show, but I also say that they have a... Th- a thankless job and the toughest job in all of MMA. So I want to, I want to make sure that you hear from one and, uh, sort of get his perspective because he has a lot of good takes on MMA. He used to be on MMA Twitter actually. And, um, we, uh, he got banned. I think he said for, for calling Tommy Laren a, uh, cunt. If I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. And he was just like, no, fuck it. I'm not going back. A lot of you guys get banned and, and just start a new account. Like he was just like, no, nope, fuck it. That's it. But he's still on Instagram and, uh, he's going to plug his, uh, his socials when he's on. So, uh, you want to, um, any questions? So, so in that sticking with that theme, uh, next week's forum will be, I, I can't decide if I'm, I'm going to do a separate forum. That's going to be sort of random, anything you want to talk about sort of stuff. Or if it's going to be directly related to the, the stuff, we'll have to see where the state of MMA is at that time. But in the meantime, when you're listening, send me questions, um, 
either DM them to FWM underscore pod or what I might prefer is email them to fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com so I can have them kind of separate uh, from from my online social media or whatever. Um, send them in any questions you might have for a ref. Send them in and we're going to um, get them answered. So um, I'm looking forward to that. Otherwise, that brings us to the end. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay the fuck away from me. Uh, and I say that with love. And <laughs> stay the fuck away from everyone else too. Keep social distance. And uh, stay salty, motherfuckers. <laughs>